Good evening and welcome to Rescue the Fosters. <laughs> Sorry, that was 
That was comic relief right there. Um, oh my gosh, good stuff, man. Uh, that is tonight's guest, who uh, Sylvia is going to kindly introduce. But first, I should probably introduce my two co-hosts and co-founders of Rescue the Fosters, Miss Sylvia Beachy and Miss Daniel Holm. Ladies, how are you tonight? I'm good. good. How are you? I'm doing good. Doing good. It's a little chilly up here, but we're okay. We're surviving. It it stopped snowing, thank God. <laughs> so we're okay. Oh my gosh, that video was killing me. I We actually had a guest. It wasn't on this show. It was on one of my other shows a while back. His name's James. He actually lives near me. And he got jumped by eight guys, eight cops in a supermarket. And he had a uh, medical exemption. And now he's suing the governor and everybody. So it's it's great. But anyway, Sylvia, can you introduce our guest, please? Yeah, uh, I'd be. I'd love to introduce our guest, especially since I have no idea what I'm going to say, except for we met on Twitter. Uh, I came across him. He was sharing our stuff, and he was really exposing the government gangsters of Idaho. And uh, I've known a little bit about Idaho, but not to the extent that he told me. So I just love that he is um, himself. He, he did not give in in that video to the tyrants. And it's crazy how everyone just stood around and watched them. And then even the security guard, what, he pulled down his mask in order to call? It just makes no sense. So thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, Gar, thank you so much, man. And it is funny, you know, that guy pulled it down to talk on the phone. But then at the very beginning of the, the video, they pulled down their mask too. And I'm like... <laughs> And he was the guy telling you to keep your mask on. It was like the hypocrisy just like literally drives me insane. Anyway, Garth, thank you so much for coming on Rescue the Fosters. We're looking forward to, uh, a, I guess, a smorgasbord of stories that you're uh, going to tell us. Go ahead, yeah. introduce yourself a little bit. Let the audience know who Garth Gaylord is. Yeah, I'm uh, born in Idaho. lived here all my life, uh, except I went on a mission to North Carolina. Uh, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, and I have a father of three children. I work as a cabling technician. I've been doing this for like seven years. Um, and yeah, I'll tell you some of my stories of just how I first got, I guess, dealt with the, the government, the legal system. And uh, yeah, and some of my friends' stories too, uh, baby Cyrus too. Um, but I just want to say I love your show. I've been watching you guys. Um, it's refreshing to hear people talking about this most important issue of uh, the, what's happening to our children mm -hmm. being taken away by the government uh, from families being separated is just... Yeah, it's not acceptable. So we need more awareness of this and more um, people have to come together and put a stop to it somehow. So over the several years of dealing with government, I see that this is like a, this is a good focus because it's, um, well, of course, our children are most important to us. And also they protect this, I think, very carefully. <laughs> yeah they, they sure do we've seen that over and over again garth um so we started we start with a mask video but i mean that's really kind of just humor i guess to get it started <laughs> because we're trying to show that 
this is tyranny. That is what we are living under. When they're telling you to do things and it goes against the Constitution, that is by definition tyranny. And so yeah. I think it's interesting what you've uh, stood up to. You know, that's just one of the things. But I know you're standing up for the children, just as you had spoken of. And that is the crux of what Rescue to Foshes is about. I mean, if, if, it's, if we don't save and protect the most vulnerable among us, we're in trouble as a country. Like, it's yeah. game over. So we have to stand up now. It's not like, oh, we'll just wait till next week. No, it's like now. Uh, this has been yeah. going on far too long. The crimes of these people have been hidden and pushed under the rug. And it's just time that the exposure comes and these people are held to justice, real justice, not their justice, not a two-tiered justice system. So, um, Garth, I know you were, um, you're, you're close with Baby Cyrus and Amon Bundy. And I, I think I'd kind of like to start there, if that's okay with you. Can you please explain to the audience who Amon Bundy is? And I know because we know who he is, but maybe the audience doesn't know who he is. Yeah, so I got my Ammon Bundy for governor shirt. I was uh, working for his campaign, putting up signs here in uh, Boise, Idaho. So a lot of my experience will be talking about the, the Boise, Idaho area in Ada County. Um, and that's because uh, we've been dealing with the Ada County courts. And that's where Cyrus was kidnapped too in Meridian, which is, so Boise is like the biggest city in Idaho and then Meridian is right next to it. And it's also a big city. So it's like the most populous county in Idaho. Um, and yeah, also so, I should have, sorry, I sorry to interrupt, but you should also uh, state who baby Cyrus is. So uh, baby Cyrus, he um, is the son of, Levi and Marissa Anderson, and Marissa is the daughter of Diego Rodriguez, who was a friend of Ammon Bundy's, and he was helping with the Ammon Bundy for Governor campaign as well. He that whole family has been involved politically uh, in Idaho, so a lot of people knew them already when when Cyrus was taken. Um, yeah, so he was he was good friends with Ammon. And baby yeah. Cyrus was on uh, Stu Peter's show, right? Is isn't that what the documentary that he made about? Yeah, what's that one called? Um, these are little these ones. These little ones. Like... These little ones. Yeah, they're mentioned in that one. Yeah, and that and... Garth, that's the incident where they're at the gas station, and yes. the cops show up and they're dra- yeah, it's it's horrifying, absolutely horrifying watching that. Yes, so a little understanding of Ammon Bundy is kind of a good context i know a lot of people probably heard of him because of what happened with his father's ranch in 2014 um where ammon was involved in that what can you explain that because i've recently just come across ammon bundy so i don't know all of these stories okay yeah i'll try to tell them as briefly as i can um but his father so the bundys um so the latter-day saints you know came west and Brigham Young was the president of the church, and he sent different families to um, settle in different areas, some in Idaho, some in Utah, some in Arizona, I think, and Cal- maybe, uh, and some in Nevada. And so the Bundys, there was this land in Nevada that no, you know, it was just uninhabitable, unha- just terrible, but he found the Bundys, I guess, were uh, rough enough people to go there. And so he sent them to Nevada, and they um were able to create an irrigation system 
in this desert area and then they started uh, a cattle ranch grazing cattle in that land <clears throat> way back when um and then um they had you know their land rights deeded with the state of nevada and all that but then the federal government comes in and they're starting to drive all the other all the ranchers off that had settled that area uh, you know just all kinds of bogus ways but um and a lot of them were selling out and leaving but cliven you know his family had been there for generations and first started that area so it's like and he's just I think Cliven understood how important it was to make a stand on our rights. So he just, they, they wanted to take pretty much kick him off, take his, take the land. And they made an issue about the grazing fees. He wouldn't pay his grazing fees. So they're saying you need to pay millions of dollars in graving, grazing fees to the federal government. And he says, no, I'm not, you guys don't even have constitutional authority to exist. <laughs> like, be in control of any of this land um so yeah if you look at i can't remember what article it was in the constitution but it, it kind of distribute you know it says what lands the federal government can be over and it's just it's like half the west is owned by the is controlled by the federal government right now like in idaho it's over 60 percent in nevada i think it was closer to 90 percent it's like there's all this land and they just and they want more and more so they wanted to take climbings and they made some issue with like the desert tortoise too anyways there's a whole lot to that story and cliven went through the courts for like decades fighting them but then it came to a head when the fbi pretty much they got a little army together and um the blm and surrounded the the family and started threatening them and saying it's going to be another waco or ruby ridge um if they don't back you know back off or they give that, up they actually made that threat that's yeah that's what i i believe they did wow um so you know ammon was there and he was and this is kind of how i want to talk about the people's rights network too and this is kind of where this pattern this idea came from was what happened with this ranch and this story is, you know, a huge success against the federal government, which I think that's why Ammon has become such a target now. But um, so Ammon's praying to the Lord. He's worried about his family. And the Lord gave him, spoke peace to him and said, don't, everything's going to be fine. And then like right after that, all these people, they, they had posted about it on Facebook to get attention to what was happening. And all these people from all over the country just start driving, showing up armed, you know, ready to tell the federal government, no, you're not doing this. And so when that happened, the federal government just decided to back down. They packed up all their stuff and left. And Cliven is still ranching his cattle in uh, Nevada. Uh, during the governor campaign, he he brought up a bunch of the red meat from from those cows, and and we had a big barbecue celebration. And oh, nice! So, yeah, I'm glad that happened. So that was he stood on his rights, and it wasn't the so the the lesson here it wasn't the courts. Right. He went through the courts; they didn't help him. It wasn't the local sheriff; 
they went to the local sheriff, they educated the local sheriff on the Constitution. It wasn't the legislature. They tried all these. It wasn't anything except people, the people just showing up and saying no. Pretty much with force, saying, nope, you're going to have to kill us all if you're going to want to take this. <laughs> so, wow. Just out of yeah. curiosity, Garth, you said the sheriff, they had to be, he had to be educated on the Constitution. Uh, it's his jurisdiction. It's actually up to him to enforce the Constitution and protect his the people of his jurisdiction. So he didn't do that or he didn't understand that and he just didn't participate? He didn't do it. He wouldn't wow. help him. He didn't do his job. He should have. He sh should have known. They just let these federal agents, you know, they just become partners with them. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know where these federal agents even get authority at all. The BLM, where do they even get authority at all? It's right. If it allegedly comes through the people, that's just not true because through the Constitution, because it's really not there in the Constitution and and especially like these are ran like we need ranchers growing food, you know, mm -hmm. providing food for people. So but there's a reason why they're going after the ranchers so they can control the land and resources so they can control the people. Right. Yeah. Anyway, however you look at it, it's like the sheriff should have stood, should have been the one standing there intervening between the federal government and and this rancher to secure our rights isn't that their whole their whole job <laughs> that's I actually, they... yeah go ahead Dana. i have an experience in my own situation um when i was standing outside after my son was kidnapped in the town trying to gather community because like you said garth it's not gonna work in the courts when the courts are owned and operated and they're all corrupt so it takes the people to come out when I was in the town, people were going to the sheriff for me. And the sheriff actually told me, he he said, people keep coming to me saying, why don't you just go get back that baby and give it to and, and give him to his mother? And he said to me, to my face, I can't do that because the feds will come after me. Oh my goodness. Oh. Yeah. He what literally said, I'm not gonna do anything. I'm not gonna help you because the feds will come after me. Doesn't that mean the feds are uh, involved with trafficking? Oh. <laughs> yes. Critical thinking think, right there. I, I, wow. I think you could make that assumption. I <laughs> <laughs> was involved with uh, the baby Cyrus case, too. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. So, okay. Well, thanks for the background, Garth, because that does clear up a few oh. things for me personally. But how, where does that go from there then? So How does that lead to today? Another little story with them and what happened next is also important where, so after the feds back down, he goes back to Arizona with, where he was raising his family with uh, Lisa Bundy and they had six children. And he uh, worked really hard to develop a software. So he was a diesel mechanic and he developed this fleet maintenance software and so he made, you know, made some money doing that, but so he kind of went back to his life there, but then his father kept bugging him about the same thing. He said the same thing that's happening, that happened to me is happening in Oregon to this Hammond family, a similar kind of thing. These ranchers in Oregon were getting harassed by the federal government and driven out and same in the same area. I read Hammond's whole thing on people's rights newsroom. There's some good stories on there. 
but um same thing happening there driving the ranchers out making issues about water rights and and so what happened with the hammonds they did like a controlled burn you know how they do that it's a normal thing they do but they got charged the federal government came up with some weird charge about terrorist arson or something like that and so we're prosecuting the hammonds and so ammon felt um just it kept coming to his mind and i think the holy spirit kind of wrought upon him to go kind of intervene with that and so he made he studied out the situation and made a plan to uh they went and occupied the Malheur wildlife refuge um well it's harney county harney county community center or something i think they ended up calling it in order to say this is not a federal refuge this is county land uh, where they were anyway so there's kind of this battle between yeah the the it's the local county governments that should be over the land and making these decisions not some blm federal bureaucracy who are unelected and unaccountable to any of us we don't even know you know so that's kind of the what is an issue there um and then the hammonds getting prosecuted thrown in prison they had a they had a smaller sentence and then they ended up having like a double jeopardy thing going on where they brought them back and then through said gave them a full five-year sentence and so all these people came and occupied the refuge and you know this so this is the news the way they try to paint Ammon Bundy is that what they always say oh he's he's known for violent confrontations or you know like violent standoffs with the federal government so they say that the Bundy Ranch thing was a standoff and this was a Oregon thing was a standoff but there there was no violence on Ammon's part or any of the people that were with him if it the only people threatening violence or using guns was the federal government which they did end up uh murdering one of Ammon's friends uh Lavoy Finnicum yeah so um while they were traveling to meet with a local sheriff because they were trying to do the same thing with those sheriffs educate them on the constitution and urge them to stand you know and intervene here and get the Hammonds out of prison but none of them would again same situation but um where enough attention was brought to this that it got to uh, a pardon got on Donald Trump's desk after he became president and Donald Trump pardoned the Hammonds both Steve and the other one okay blanking on his name right now but yeah they got pardoned and so that was another victory really um so that's kind of what how Ammon's family became famous um and but they paid a dear price for that because for both instances they ended up you know when they were driving on the road and they killed Lavoy they were I think they wanted to kill more people they were trying to provoke them in a way to justify more shooting I think I've looked at the videos and I that's seems obvious to me that they were wanting to kill a lot more people but they only end up killing Lavoy and then they threw their the Bundy family in prison Cliven and Ryan and Ammon and they spent two years in federal prison with unconvicted it's because of these stupid you know federal laws I don't know if it's the what do you call it the Patriot Act or whatever but they throw people in prison and hold them there while they're going through trial and they did it for two years 
And at the end of the two years, and they'd spent millions of dollars. Uh, I can't remember how many millions of dollars it was, but it was a lot prosecuting the Bundy family. And then a Portland, Oregon jury acquitted them of all charges. And all these federal agents were just totally shocked and and <laughs> and mad that they didn't get the Bundys in prison for life because all these charges they stacked up, they had a over, lifetimes over their heads. So... Yeah, he spent over a year at that time was in solitary confinement. And some of the, they tortured him there. They made him suffer. And the whole time he didn't see his family, the whole two years, that was the hardest part of it all. He spent over, I think, $500,000 on an attorney to help him. Um, they ended up tasing his attorney in court. Yep. Wow. <laughs> they got acquitted. The attorney said, okay, they're acquitted, let him go. And they wouldn't let him go. And so then they ended up tasing the attorney. And then he ended up dying too. I think they had something to do with that too. But um, anyways. These are legit uh, gangsters. Government yeah. gangsters. So Ammon coming free off, off of that, they're pretty mad, even though, I don't know, they did make them suffer two years. So that's pretty harsh. So Ammon had moved to Idaho right before before he got thrown in prison his family so his family was living in Emmett Idaho which is kind of not it's like 40 minute drive from Boise um so um yeah so then he gets out of prison and comes to Idaho and then the whole COVID thing starts to happen and that's when uh people's he and some friends formed this network called People's Rights, and they developed a software. He's got a background in software development. And so they developed this website to serve as a tool for people to, uh, like, to respond to when our rights are being violated. So the, the network, our purpose is to unite neighbors to to claim, use, and defend our rights. So that's what the network's about. And the tool is the website, which you text rights to 80123. And that's the way you can sign up for the network or you can go to peoplesrights.ws. It was pe peoplesrights.org, I believe works still, but part of this lawsuit, they're taking down our websites. And so that one may not, be on there long but if you go to ws um i believe that one is will be able to stay on there but what anyway, did you say the text was again it's rights r-i-g-h-t-s to eight zero one two three got it okay i need to get okay. that did so, we put those websites because i can drop them in the chats what just happened uh-oh. You're muted. We can't hear you, Gina. I wanted... <laughs> that was nice, Sylvia. Thank you. Um, <laughs> that's, a that's the nicest she's ever said. Uh, look, see the, the... Oh, you guys can't see it on the screen. But there is a wheel of death spinning right now for your website. Ah, there it goes. Okay. It took forever to, to pop up, but there it is. Okay. There it is. There's a newsroom on there. That's some good stories. Um. And then you can find out which, see what area you're in and join an area. 
We're trying to get it going in every state in the United States if we can. We had it going a little bit in Canada. Um, That's baby Cyrus. Yeah. There's she. Yeah. He is. I. She. Duh. <laughs> Um, that's, yeah, that's okay. Good. Well, at least it's working because earlier I was trying to get on there and it was not doing anything. Um, okay. Kept rerouting. So, and that took what, I don't know, 40 seconds, 30 seconds, whatever for it to pop up. So yeah, I don't know what, what they're doing, but they don't yeah. want people to see it apparently. Right. That's a big goal of this. So this lawsuit really isn't about defamation, but it's, it's a civil lawsuit for defamation. But that's not really, there's a lot more that it's about. <laughs> and it's yeah. shutting, people, shutting down the People's Rights Network is part of it because of our pattern. Uh, so it's a, it's a communication system where um, there's three to five area assistants in an area. It's a geographical area with three to five assistants who are kind of the gatekeepers of the information. They have everyone's phone numbers. Um, and they, they know the people in the area. So if one member, one person in the area has an emergency where their rights are being threatened or violated, they can alert the area assistant. You can even just hit SOS to that same, to the number, the 80123 thing, and your area assistant will become alerted that there's an issue and they'll try to figure out what's going on, verify, you know, who's the perpetrator, who's the victim, What's how are their rights being violated, and and what kind of help is needed, and so if it's an urgent situation where a baby's being kidnapped or um, someone's being arrested for something stupid, like they can get an alert and they have people show up, and then we just you there may be situations where you need physical defense. And that's what we want to be prepared to do. Uh, say, no, you're not taking, you're not kidnapping this person. You use the least amount of force necessary to protect someone's rights. And that's, that's everyone's right to do that. And that's totally lawful. And if the laws, you know, don't protect that, then they should, because that is individual God-given right to defend yourself and your neighbors. Um, and even if it's the gov government agents coming in, in the name of the law saying you have to do this that's um but it's an obvious rights violation you still need to we still need to stand up to them and say no um because that's even a worse crime when you're you're betraying the trust of the people and you're doing horrible things in the name of the law that's a that's an even worse crime than than if someone else was doing it that's a total betrayal so I love this because we need that for like um, the, yeah. the cases that I have right now. It would be nice to have something like this going on, um, especially on a court date um, where we can like send out a text and be like, be at this courthouse, you know, whatever. But I love that idea. We need to collaborate somehow and figure out how to do all that. Yeah, Garth, we really do. And yeah, it's, it's good to have support when when the government's coming down on you because they target you and it's mm -hmm. it's they're dreadful they're 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 brutal and relentless. Mm -hmm. So yeah. to, to feel like you're alone in that is just the worst thing I can imagine. And just going through that, I know I went through a jury trial, total bogus charges. I went pro se, 
didn't know what was going on. I was totally overwhelmed the whole time. It was exhausting going through that. And then to get falsely convicted, man, that's just the worst thing. Mm-hmm. And I was just dealing with a misdemeanor, but some people deal with really heavy, heavy things, jail sentences and or separations from their family or termination of parental rights. And to yeah. go, th- I had support. It was hard enough. And I had my people's rights neighbors were with me at my jury trial. They're sitting with me, praying with me. And so it was really good to have that. We do need support whenever that kind of thing is happening. And uh, another thing, when things are going down, just to have a witness there sometimes can make a huge difference or someone filming. Yeah. So, they from what they want to portray us as like a far right extremist violent group or whatever, but of course they're going to say that. But yeah. we don't ever want to. It's not about using violence on anyone, but it is. We do want to be serious about defending our rights and using the least amount of force necessary. And if we can get away with just filming it, sometimes that's enough to get them to back off because they don't want to be known for what they're doing they're used to being able to do these horrible things and nobody even knows about it right all over people and and nobody's there to help them and no one brings attention to it so we're trying to put a stop to that and we've had i think been able to help quite a few people with that um there's some good stories from washington or oregon on the newsroom uh, where the pattern has been successful and the network has been able to help. We Some of the areas will have like regular meetings. And I think that's important too, where they'll have potlucks or whatever. So you get to know the neighbors that are nearby you. And then you know who you're dealing with. So then when you get an alert, this this is what's happening to this person. And if you already know that person, then, you know, because sometimes people are like, don't want to act because they don't even know who the person is, whether they trust them or whatever but so as if you're showing up to these meetings you're getting to know the people and building that um, community and then then when something if you're there for your neighbors you show up for them when something goes down and then they'll want to show up for you when something's going down too right i love this Was, was that a grassroots thing that just started with a couple people and says you know what we need to start networking is that how it happened yeah, pretty much started with Ammon, Ammon and some other friends. Um, when Ammon kind of got the idea based on what happened in Bunkerville mm-hmm. in Nevada, when all the people showed up, and that's that worked. Yeah, it's the only thing that really will work. I mean, when the situation happened with myself, we were literally bombarded at the hospital by an entire gang. All the government gangsters came in, and we had nobody. And sometimes the government literally seeks out people that they feel don't have support. So they look for people with no support on purpose to go after them because they think it's an easy fight. So if we can build community in this kind of way, not to be violent, but to protect ourselves, to be clear. So it's all to protect ourselves and each other because, I mean, really, like I... I had no chance at all. Like my son was literally ripped out of my arms at one day old. I had no chance at all because we didn't have, you know, 
the rights to text at that point because it wasn't up and running. But if we if we had, that would have been amazing for people to come in and, and really help. Mm -hmm. So it's really awesome that you're doing that. Absolutely. When you're in that kind of situation, every little person, every little bit of help, you, you need all you can get, right? Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, it seems like there needs to be like local chapters and, and things like that, networking across all 50 states. Um, it's a shame that it's come to that. Um, is there any like law enforcement that's involved in this that, that understand what's going on and, and are at least trying to help? We've uh, we've had meetings with sheriffs. They've come. We've invited them to come speak to our groups, and they'll come and they'll. I get. I've had about enough of these. <laughs> a lot of these Idaho sheriffs too. Like they'll say, "I'm a constitutional sheriff. I'm all about the Second Amendment. I'm all about." They just they're all politicians, and they just give mm -hmm. their service and tell us they're on our side and they're here to protect our rights. But then when it comes down to it, not a, none of them, not one of them will stand for our rights. And that's that video at the beginning, I was kind of testing uh, uh, Bob Norris, the sheriff up there, who a lot of people actually uh, think he's real conservative, thinks he's a great guy, but he's not. Um, he didn't, he allowed that to happen to me. And then he'll boast either throughout the pandemic and even recently, he's been boasting to everyone Oh, I, I never allowed mask mandates in my county as the sheriff. I'm so great. Um, no, well, I've got proof. I've got video evidence that they grabbed me by my arms and carried me by my arms, you know, brutally made me suffer pain just because I didn't have a freaking piece of plastic over my face, a splash guard made in China. <laughs> well, I can tell you that you get arrested very gracefully. I love the song. I love the singing. It's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah, I was feeling the love. They were, I guess that's how they show their love. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it was singing them a song. <laughs> that was funny. That's so funny. Yeah. Gosh. I, I love this idea. I love the networking yeah. thing. Um, I mean, it's because it's a simple thing. It doesn't take money. It just takes time. It takes commitment. It takes. We need to do it's that. It's just, you know, yeah. love your neighbor. That's what it really boils down to. And and we should be protecting each other, because anytime mm -hmm. tyranny gains uh, a foothold in a in a country, and people don't stand against it, it's over. I mean, I don't know what else to tell people. Like you can't sugarcoat it. It's just that's the game. And history has repeated itself, repeated itself many times, and we see that that's the pattern. The pattern is is remove God, destroy the family, and uh, debauchery and all kinds of sexual perversions, and then it's you know drain the you know, overspend, right? It's the same patterns, and then the country just you know falls and in, into the uh, dustbin of history. There's that dustbin of history again, Daniel, that you like so much. Yeah, I love it. Um, <laughs> I didn't invent that, by the way. <laughs> I've heard that before. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Uh, but it's that's that is the pattern, and it's and if we don't do something, I don't know, like who's gonna do it? Like, is someone else gonna come in and rescue us on a you know on a white horse and a knight in shining armor? Of course not. Like, it's up to us. And like you right. said, it's this is peacefully. This is nonviolent. It's using our brains, and, and if God is for us, who can be against us? I mean, like, we, we have him on our side. He is for freedom and liberty and justice. And it's not like we're trying to have a theocracy 
you know, as a Christian, I'm a Christian first before anything else. And I can tell you this, I'm not advocating for a Christian government. I want righteous. I want a righteous government. I want a government that's going to abide by the laws we have on the books, the constitution being the first and foremost document that protects us. And whether you call yourself a Christian, Buddhist, I don't care if you're abiding by the laws of the land, I'm okay with that. But if you start infringing on my religious beliefs, okay, mm -hmm. now we have a problem. You start infringing on my free speech, we have a problem. And we have a exactly. media, you know, you mentioned the media before, we have a media that is complicit in this. And I don't know about in Idaho, you know, I don't, the population, I can't imagine being what, more than four or five million people in Idaho? Uh, almost two million. Oh, two. Okay. So it's less than I thought. So two million people and you, you know, I'm sure you have your three regular local stations that everybody just tunes in every night and says, oh, they're telling me the truth. Thank God. Um, <laughs> you would think in a place like Idaho, gosh, it's just beautiful. It's, it's like that. When I think of Idaho, I think of liberty and freedom and just wrote these, these vast, you know, plains and beautiful mountains. And like, you don't think of corruption. You don't think of a stained media that is, you know, pushing propaganda, but it does seem like that's what you have there also. Idaho is bad. We're in a bad situation. And I think this case with uh, Ammon and Diego is, is really, I think Ammon is the great exposer of corruption here in Idaho. Like more than anyone, I think he has exposed so much through all these things that he's gone through here because after he came here and we started people's rights came together and we started getting you know pushing back against the covid mandate stuff he went he got arrested went to jail nine times over stupid things here here in idaho and ada county every time it's in ada county <laughs> um but the that it it's really disappointing in idaho that you know the people tolerate this and they won't even speak up about it. A lot of them. Yeah. We I, saw a lot of them going along. Everybody was going along with it in your video with the mask. Everybody's just following along, just doing. You know. right. Yeah. Everyone's real weak. I don't know. just really weak. And it was disappointing that they were able to drive Ammon out of the state and he didn't have enough people to help defend him. To, so he could stay at his property in Emmett where he he had a house where he raised his, his for his wife and his children and and they had an apple orchard um yeah it's it's now he's they've got him driven out of the state I want him to come back so I really want St. Luke's to just they they could drop all this at any minute they could drop the arrest warrants they could drop their demand, they got a judgment of $52 million against Stamina and Diego. And that's because of the baby Cyrus? Yeah, because of baby Cyrus. So I don't know if you want to get into that now. I got I could tell yeah. more of my story too, but. Yeah, uh, however you want to go. Okay. I guess I'll tell a little bit more kind of what happened with me. Um, so the first time I got arrested was actually had to do with Hammond Bundy too, because his, so his first time getting arrested in Idaho was at the Idaho Capitol in Boise, downtown Boise, where, well, so after the 
COVID thing started, Idaho went into state of extreme emergency, like a lot of the other states, so they could get the federal money from the Trump administration. They got billions of dollars to spend <laughs> without the legislature, uh, even though they're the ones supposed to be appropriating funds. Now we got Governor Brad Little just gets to spend billions of dollars on whatever he likes because of this virus, I guess. But so a lot of people were concerned throughout the state what was going on. So they people are demanding that, you know, we look at the law and the law says, OK, in a state of extreme emergency, after 60 days, the governor has to call the legislature into session so that they can, um, you know, determine if the state of emergency needs to continue or not. But they didn't follow that law. And only a small group of legislators showed up at the Capitol on that 60th day. And it wasn't, they said it wasn't enough to have a quorum. So they couldn't do anything. So that was pretty lame. But, but a couple months later, Brad Little actually does call the legislature into session, but it wasn't to, for that reason, it was for legal immunity. They wanted to do whatever in the name of COVID and, and have no legal consequences on themselves. So they've called the legislature into session and the people came from throughout the state. Um, some, a lot of the People's Rights Network neighbors came and were concerned and were kind of going to these hearings because we wanted to put an end to the state of emergency and all the, the COVID mandates and things. So they... Uh, Scott Bedke, who was the Speaker of the House at the time, now he's an Idaho Lieutenant Governor. He's part of this wicked establishment that's here in Idaho. And he said the people couldn't come into the House gallery during this session. And the people weren't having it. So they forced their way in. And there was a little conflict at the this door between the Idaho State Police and a big crowd of people pushing their way in. And there's a, a moment where a cop is like pulling the top of the door and someone is pushing in on the bottom of the door and it kind of twisted the door and the glass shattered. Um, nobody really got hurt. There wasn't, you know, any violent, you know, stuff like that. It wasn't as quite as bad as the January 6th thing. Um, but eventually they gave in and they, you know, had bed key they just had to say let the people in so they let them in but then the next day they retaliated and they they set up that there was this weird situation in the the um in a hearing with there's a the representative greg cheney was the chairman of this judicial committee or whatever and he he found it they had this table set up at the front that said press table and there was two people misty carpelt from health freedom idaho i think i i know she interviewed with you guys one time and kk sharing her story Wait, who is who is it misty carpelt uh, it's on your youtube channel you talked about kk's story with misty was that uh that was Gina? I can't hear you. That was I think that was, uh, that was probably right with one of our first. It was yeah, it was right in the beginning. Yep. So anyway, Misty's a friend of ours here. Good. Yeah, there he is. She does 
Health Freedom Idaho, and now she owns Idaho Dispatch, which is kind of a news alternative, uh, given they're not owned by the establishment here. So <laughs> uh, she's doing great work there, too. Um, but she sat at the press table, and Greg Cheney said, you can't sit at that table because you're not the press kind of thing. And they're like, yeah, we are the press. And they're like, no, you, you don't have press credentials from the Idaho Press Club, which... I don't know. Do you guys see the issue here? Like <laughs> as far as the first amendment right to the press. <laughs> so also the Idaho constitution is clear on this about we have a right to speak and publish freely on all subjects, whatever. So um, they had the police come and remove Misty and Brian Bowermaster. Um, so the, it's, these cops are just not following the it's the most basic constitutional rights. It's the first amendment and they're just ripping people out of, and they, they, they were brutal about it too. They came in and ripped Brian out of the room. And when they were doing that, they almost stomped down a little baby. My friend, Nikki Schumacher was sitting in the aisle and had her baby in a stroller and they almost trampled this little baby in that stroller might've killed the baby, but Nikki like got, was able to get the baby out of the way in time, but she dislocated her hip moving that <laughs> and then they grabbed another lady and threw her on top of the chairs um this is we got video of all these things that happened that day it was there's quite a bit of commotion but so ammon was sitting in the back of the room at, when this was going on and so when they take misty and brian from the seats he went up and sat in the press seat um and then the room ends up clearing all these they had all these police there the capital was surrounded by idaho state police cars and they called in backup from everywhere from boise police ada county sheriff's deputies and they all these police were lining up the halls in their riot gear so it's like what is going on here like why did they why was there such a huge presence there and it's really because they i think it's because ammon bundy was there and they saw him, they recognized him from the beginning just by knowing what happened to with him before. They saw him as a threat. And so they, they had this plan to trespass him. They don't want him influencing the legislature there or the, you know, the people being able to make a difference. So they want to use Ammon as, uh, they target him as an example, right? To scare everyone else. But Ammon, Ammon was strong. Spiritually, he's strong, and he just loves, he cherishes liberty and knows his rights, and he can suffer a lot of things. So he's not going to just give in so easy like a lot of people do. Um, so he stayed sitting in that chair, and they threatened him to arrest him. Um, but he stayed sitting in that chair to make a statement about the right to the press. And they arrest him with... The, the charge is called trespass failure to depart and they even admitted in court later on i went and watched the whole trial that he they said he had broken no rules caused no commotion he was just sitting in a chair <laughs> it, they admitted he had broken no rules when he was arrested so how do you trespass somebody when they're in a place in the public building during open hours not causing any disruption or breaking any rules but they did and they got they just he got convicted of trespassing 
Um, and I, so he got arrested that night. And then when he got out early, I think the next morning, he suffered a lot in that jail too. They had treated him rough. Um, but, and they arrested Aaron von Schmidt. He saw what was happening to Ammon and was filming. And so they arrested him too. He, anyway, so that'll come with my story. That come, that becomes important. But um, yeah, so the next morning he comes back to the Capitol and they arrest him again and charge him again. And then that one ends up getting dismissed. Ammon tells this whole story on People's Rights Newsroom where he details all the laws that they broke. He really researched this good and and wrote it all up good if you want to learn more on that one. But Garth, so can I interrupt I... for a second? <clears throat> if if everything's so corrupt, um, how are some of these things getting dismissed? Do you think it's the pressure of the public, them knowing that there's eyes on it? So that charge got dismissed. Um I'm trying to remember the details on that one. It was I think it had to do with who trespassed him not having authority, like over the certain part of the building. Okay. Kind of, there was some weird thing about that one, and it ended up. I wonder the... if because um so Ammon's known who I am for seven years now because of my story, and I'm friends with John Lamb and that whole thing, and John Lamb was friends with Ammon, and so they knew about my story for the last seven years, and then my son's father had also been arrested probably eight times throughout the whole process. And oh, wow. one of the times he was arrested, kind of similar to Ammon, uh, it was completely false. I have the whole thing on recording, um, a, a trespassing charge in a library, a public library where he wasn't even asked to leave. So Ammon had a bunch of people and Ammon himself called the jail to try to get him out of jail. Um, but he was saying that Christian, my son's father, was doing the right thing at the time by not not resisting, but also just not doing anything, not giving them anything, not yeah. giving information, not being booked in. And I know that that's something that Ammon's like strong about is saying, I'm not going to resist. I'm not resisting. I'm just not giving any extra effort. I'm not I'm not I'm not helping you arrest me falsely. Yeah. So <laughs> tried to. With this charge, not only did they charge him with trespassing, but they charged him with resisting and obstructing. And that was the issue is he, they had to carry him all around because he, he yes. just wasn't going to help him. So they, they used this as an opportunity to try to put an end to that. Yeah. So, so he got convicted also of delaying them by not walking for them, I guess, <laughs> not helping them arrest him. Not, is that so. why in your video you were kind of doing that? Like yeah. it's, it seemed like you were just letting them like carry you. Yeah. I wasn't going to. You're not going to help them falsely arrest you basically. Make them do that and see how far they're going to go over something so silly. I had also seen Arthur Pulowski up in Canada had done that quite a few times. So that guy was <laughs> awesome. Um, but so yeah, after, so Ammon and Aaron get scheduled for a jury trial on March 15th of 2021. And that's where um, I first got arrested because we go to the courthouse. There's all these people that were at the Capitol that day, you know, subpoenaed to testify, waiting outside. And they have this mask man, one of the, the Supreme Court people, um, 
made a rule on all Idaho courthouses that you had to wear masks to get it at the courthouses, um, which if I looked all into that and it's totally bogus. It's an administrative rule and it's even, it's just re ridiculous how they can try to claim that this is law, but um, we all, we see speaking, they got away with it. Speaking of hypocrisy, the whole mask thing, it used to be you couldn't go in a bank, right? masked up of course you couldn't go into a courtroom masked yeah. up you could there was certain things you just knew like oh yeah of course you wouldn't wear a mask in there because no one can see you they can't identify you in case there's a crime but all of a sudden all that got swept under the rug and you're like oh no 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 let's just we're gonna do the mask thing and it's yeah. <laughs> you sit there and you scratch your head you're like what world am i living in like this is crazy i literally experienced that gino so when the COVID stuff was happening i am proud to say i never wore a mask and okay. i went to a bank i had to go inside and they're like ma'am ma'am you need to wear a mask and i'm like wear a mask in a bank i'm like i'm not getting in trouble for that right <laughs> that's not gonna happen ridiculous yeah i think the mask wasn't about health it was it was about controlling people as more of a political symbol so that's why I wouldn't wear it because I felt it was dishonest if I were to wear it. That's just there was uh, <laughs> there was a TED talk from 2014. I forgot the guy's name, and he was actually exposing the future plans of the deep state. And I don't think he knew it. I think he was just reading some material, and it was talking about how they were going to mask us up. This is in 2014, so you know, fast forward five years, six years, it's all of a sudden it's happening. So they were already talking about doing it. Um, and yeah. I guarantee you they would mask us up right now, but they know what would happen because <laughs> people have had enough. They, they've been exposed enough that it was all fake and, and, you know, it was a pandemic, not a pandemic. And so I have a, I have a sneaky suspicion. A lot of people are going to be, there will be accountability for COVID. I always call it the linchpin. I think that is what brings down the whole house of cards because it's all tied together with that elections, yeah. people yeah. going to jail for no reason. Uh, tyranny, like all of it's tied in together. It's one big, fat, sticky web. Yeah, and it's kind of like a, a, a first step of getting control of our bodies, like, and our health decisions or whatever. Mm -hmm. so, like it was kind of preparatory for the vaccine, trying to compel the vaccine or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think too, or whatever other medications they want to experiment yeah. on us with. <laughs> and opening the door to to medical kidnapping. Right. I mean, they, right. They, well, oh, you didn't you didn't take that jab. So we're just going to throw you in jail. Right. Or we're going to yeah. steal your family from you because you didn't do something that we told you to do. And it's science. You know, it's it's I don't know, Garth, it's the same playbook. If you know what the Nazis were doing, if you've read any of the, the you know, the books about Nazis and <clears throat> even seen some movies about it, it's not far removed from what they were doing. It's just better technology. Right. It's, you know. Science has always been the thing they can hide behind and say, well, that's that's what the science is, because they own the science. It has nothing to do with facts. They just own the the name science. And when people, they have brainwashed us to believe, when you hear science, oh, well, somebody did some really good research and they discovered something. <laughs> that's not the case. Not the case at all. Yeah. It's, it's people that have been paid a ton of money with grant money and our... Let's be quite honest, our taxpayer money to provide what they need as science to the masses. That's what it's all about. 
Right. It's all ridiculous. <laughs> Chop, so Chops I, in the uh, chat said, uh, you can't carry a firearm while wearing a mask either. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Masks are so stupid. I just would not wear one. And so that's, and Ammon wouldn't wear one either. Um, and neither would Aaron. So they were standing out in front of the courthouse demanding to be let into their jury trial so they could defend themselves in court. And they wouldn't let them in the doors. And we, Ammon, we all read them the law. We had been there months before for other people's charges too. Because yeah, like Eva Selick and Robert Jones and Susan Lang. I have videos of them all on my thing. So months before, we had been trying to educate these marshals and deputies on the Constitution. And uh, Idaho Constitution is pretty clear about um, the courts of justice shall be open to every person without prejudice. And so requiring a mask, I thought was prejudice. Um, and there's other rules that they were breaking with that. But so they charged while they're at the courthouse where they were summoned, they charged them with failure to appear. And then they take them to jail rather than, you know, usually when you're arrested, it's to take you in front of a judge, right? But they take you away from the courthouse to the jail. <laughs> and then they try to, they tried to actually make Ammon and Aaron wear a mask at the jail and, and they wouldn't let them go through booking process, the booking process until they wore a mask which they never did so they just pretty much tortured them for like 30 something hours um before they f were finally able to bail out um but so i was there there was a big crowd of us they came pushing there's de deputies just out of nowhere without saying anything and just came and started pushing through the crowd and i was one of the first people that they pushed and so that i i was convicted of delaying an officer because he had to push me out of his way to get you know, to so they could get over to Am where Ammon and Aaron were. And uh, yeah, they ended up, they were pretty rough. Um, they hurt some of our other friends. And our, my friend Casey Baker, he's like, a, he was 69, I think at the time, and he had Parkinson's disease. And they targeted him. They, uh, they pretty much assaulted him and then charged him with two counts of felony assault on an officer. Uh, because they have like a bit part of the video shows where he grabs an officer's arm, which it, it wasn't like in a violent way. He wasn't attacking or anything. He just grabbed hold of his arm. Um, and he's, he had Parkinson's. He could like, just, he had trouble walking. Like we had to keep an eye on him because he would try walking and he'd start, you know, moving kind of, so he was already off balance. So anyway, the officer was like, let go of my arm and Casey lets go. And he says, thank you. And that's the video that got Casey convicted, convicted of felony assault on a police officer. This old guy, the most gentle Christian guy, I knew him beforehand through people's rights. And uh, anyway, he just, they finally hunted him down and he spent a month in jail. And then now he's finally free. Um, that just happened recently where they, he got out of jail and got through a sentencing because he went, he got convicted, but then he kind of went the went away from Idaho be, before the sentencing hearing and had a warrant for his arrest for like a year or so <laughs> before they finally hunted him down and brought him back um, and put him in jail for a month. So that was, it's just atrocious that they would do that to this old man with his health conditions too. And he, he had a family, he had grandchildren in Nampa, which is near Boise. 
that he helped take care of and so he all that time away from his family and grandchildren and he was going to the legislature and testifying there frequently so i don't know if he was targeted for that but i was also yeah the other one that got arrested that day and charged with resisting officers and i went through a trial pro se and i thought i would win you know at that time i hadn't had experience with the law so i i didn't know too much but i looked up the statute and it like they had to prove certain elements of the crime right one of those was that the officer who you obstruct has to be or delay or resist has to be in a lawful duty of his office and so arresting someone for failure to appear when he's appeared at the courthouse i thought well they'd have to prove that that was a lawful duty that he was trying to do so to me obviously that's not a lawful duty of his office and he should know the constitution better that so that was where um, i just realized the constitution is kind of a pretend really like the the police the ones who are yeah. supposed to be enforcing it the are kangaroo not. court they don't believe in the constitution so the so these cops should these sheriff deputies should be telling the judge you know checking the judge and saying no we're not going to arrest this person for failure to appear because we can see him right before our eyes he's at court <laughs> um and he should be saying he has a right to come in the courthouse without a mask um and then they try to do mandatory internet court too and i wouldn't do that either so anyway that's but so after i get that charge when they try arraigning me they want me to either come to the courthouse and wear a mask or get on the internet and i wouldn't do either actually one of our friends still has a arrest warrant from 20 december of 2020 because she will not wear a mask or do internet court and she's been arrested over and over again um and it still hasn't settled that one but they're still prosecuting it it's just outrageous they need to drop that on eva Selleck. it's just absurd um so yeah they so i show up for arraignment and i try to go in um there's a video on my youtube channel from the court security camera and some other people were filming and i tried to go in the courthouse and they tackled me and need my head against the door and like once they got cuffs on me and stood me up the whole time they're taking me down to the cell this officer um edward bennett is holding my hand and twisting cranking on my wrist just twisting it just to cause me kind of a sharp pain and he does this the whole way down and i'm like dude i'm not resisting why are you doing this and i've got that whole body to be here. miserable people i have to say they just have to be miserable people in order to do this to to other people. It doesn't make sense to me. That surprised me that he did that. Um, and my friend Lori Marr, she's like this short little lady, like barely over five foot tall. And she kind of came behind me towards the door. And they they went, that stupid officer, Ken Bache, started charging at her. And then all these stupid officers start pushing her back and forth and pushing her to the ground over and over. And then they, they get three guys on her to take this little tiny lady to the ground and they handcuff her and they charge her with um, resisting and also assault on an officer. And so that one's on my channel called Lori Marr Abused and Accused, where they're at, they take her down. And once she's in their, the cell down there, the deputies come and 
tell her what her charges are and they're like do you understand the charges she's like no i don't understand the charges they're like well since you passed the line uh when we had to take you to the ground that's the assault on the officer thing <laughs> she's like wait a minute so since you took me to the ground i getting charged with battery it's like <laughs> Uh, Garth, I think people would be shocked if the general public ever wakes up to this stuff, how women are abused under this uh, system. I mean, on a regular basis. Like, it's, you know, all these feminist groups that are supposedly standing up for women and doing all these wonderful... Where are they? It's crickets. Where's everyone backing up Lori Marr, this little tiny lady just getting pushed around ping pong ball by these deputies and court marshals? So, um, I brought that up sorry, because... Sorry, Garth, sorry to interrupt again. This is for the ladies. Um, Joyful June said, she gifted us the shades. Thank you so much, June. Uh, she says she loves the new Rescue the Fosters tree. May God help each one of you in your efforts to help the children. Thank you, June. Thank yeah, we love you it so too. much. Yes. <laughs> that's really beautiful. That's great. Oh, thank you. I, I like it. it. Too. Sorry, Garth, go ahead. Oh, no, no worries. Not to throw you yeah, off I love what you're doing. Um, <laughs> so me and Lori Marr and there was another older guy named Paul Smith who they pulled in and threw him on the ground too and charged him with assaulting officers too. You know, they charge us with what they do. They obstruct us from getting in the courthouse and they charge us with obstruction. Then they assault us and throw us all on the ground and beat us up and then charge us with assaulting them. Um so that was Edward Bennett who tackled me, Ken Beish, who uh, started the thing with Lori Marr, and uh, um, he wrote the complaint. One more thing on that is the prosecutor who prosecuted me and Lori, Scott Vermeer, he wrote in the complaint that Lori Marr utilized her picketing sign as a battering ram in an irrational attack on law enforcement officers. <laughs> oh my they gosh. say this stuff with a straight face. Right? <laughs> so oh my goodness. So wait, wait. Are you telling me that our police officers are so weak and so <laughs> not protective that they are afraid of a five foot five foot woman with a picket sign? Because I'm scared now that we've got no protection in this country. Right? Right. <laughs> Yeah, and I, 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 I do want to make a disclaimer here. I've got lots, lots of cop friends, retired cops that were good guys. They actually upheld the law, did the right thing. And there's plenty of co good cops out there. I, this is not like a painting with a broad brush. There's corruption in every single aspect of society. And so this is being pointed out tonight, but I don't want to like tell, you know, say, oh, all cops are bad. Of course, we need cops. We need good cops oh, that uphold the constitution. Yeah, what I wanted to say about that, too, to add to that, is um, we are mostly speaking about we're not anti-doing um, the right thing or anti-anything. Like, I actually was um, saying this to someone recently. We are actually for the law. Yeah. <laughs> and so whenever we talk about all these things, it it's because of a false arrest. When, when the person doesn't deserve to be arrested because they didn't do anything wrong. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about like if you did something wrong, how to get out of it and and throw your arms up at the police and everything. No, like this is actually bullying and corruption and false arrests. Like they shouldn't be happening. 
<laughs> we are anti-corruption. That yes. is that is what we are. Anti-corruption, no matter which part of the system it is. That's Correct. right. Maybe they, yep. yeah, they, they do that with Hammond Bundy all the time in the news. Every time they talk about him, in which they have frequently, they talk about him, but they'll say, anti-government activist, Hammond Bundy. And but he's made videos addressing that, saying, I'm not anti-government. Anti <laughs> I'm anti-corruption in government. Yes. Yeah. yeah, he's actually running for a position in that government, or was running for a position. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how crazy. can he be anti-government? Yeah. Um, so I just want to mention that me and Lori and Paul filed the federal lawsuit, uh, 1983, uh, violation of rights under color of law, based on what happened there when I showed up for arraignment mm -hmm. and we all got those charges. Um, and so, but that got dismissed. So we filed the lawsuit. We got help from an, an, an experienced attorney who had actually done these kind of lawsuits before. Um, and Ada County filed some stuff and then it ended up getting dismissed. And so we appealed the dismissal and he, they ruled in, uh, in favor of the court's decision. And so we appealed that dismissal again. Anyway, the judge who originally dismissed it was Judge Windmill. And he, uh, another recent decision he made, he, he's known for getting overruled before, but for some reason they didn't overrule us. And so when we get attacked like this and we try to go to the government for help, I actually went to the state government too. I filed a tort complaint. I filed the complaints with the, I went to the police station, tried to file complaints. I'm getting no help. Um, and then we try to file a federal lawsuit and it gets, we can't even hear our case. And when I'm going through court, the judge will tell me, um, I'm not going to just, you know, all motion to dismiss based on this and this. And he'll say, I'm going to let, this is for the jury to decide. You know, this is why we have the jury. They're going to decide the the case. But they're, when we're bringing a complaint, they just dismiss it. Like, whatever happened to let's let the jury decide? <laughs> like, we can't mm -hmm. even be heard. And yeah. bring our complaint, even though we have it on video of them attacking us <laughs> in violation of the Constitution on the courthouse, right in front of the courthouse doors. We didn't even make it into the courthouse without a mask. We just, I guess they had an imaginary line that we crossed, like, 10 feet in front of the courthouse or something so they just anyways so i just wanted to mention that we have tried to use this system i guess and yeah. the lawsuit, but we couldn't we spent a bunch of money Lori mar did a lot of the paperwork on that there's a lot of work that she put into writing responses to the motions and just writing the appeals and uh anyways so, yeah, I got convicted for that first charge, and then I ended up, um, I got those three other charges. I got two counts of assault on officers and then a re <laughs> resisting officers, so I just got more charges, and then, so while I was dealing with that, that's when actually my, my ex-wife left me. She took my three children and left. And that's is where I had experience with CPS. They actually came to my house with police officers because I think she and some other people, and I think even in my church, were trying to separate my family because of what I was going through with this 
the courts and with the People's Rights Network being involved with Ammon Bundy. Like church. That's what they do, don't they, Danny? Yep. <laughs> it's totally crazy because mm-hmm. our, our church especially focuses on family. Uh, like family is central to God's plan, which I thought, you know, it, it's just so shocking to see like then families being, they're helping to take families apart. So what was the reason that CPS came to your house? Um, again, they don't tell you who makes the call, but right. I ended up getting some of the records. They were redacted, but I could tell that my ex-wife was actually, I believe she was involved. Um, with- it, it, it is always uh, an ex-spouse or an in-law or a friend. Well, not always. A lot of times it's churches too. Yeah, yeah church I mean, too in whoever like neighbors mm-hmm. yeah so i think some of my church neighbors too were involved yeah but she uh in the documents when she so she goes out front i had it on my body cam footage so I, I put it on my youtube channel some of that video she goes out and talks to the social worker and then i got the social worker's report from that and actually one of the, her concerns was that I was dealing with, you know, getting arrested and dealing with court battles. She was afraid of me getting in a conflict with police officers. And so what does she do? Like, this makes no, why? So she calls CP, gets CPS to come to my house with police officers. And now I've got police officers sneaking around my house. And then they're coming, standing on either side of me, between me and my children with a cps worker it's like was she trying to get him to kill me or (laughs) i i think this is a good place to interject garth because i don't know if the good people watching tonight understand why the police show up with cps it is to protect the cps worker it has nothing to do with you and then make the appropriate arrest just in case something goes awry right in which we've seen fake warrants we've seen i mean like my gosh we've i some of the most egregious things we've ever seen. One of the warrants was written on a post-it note from the supposed well, that, judge. That was me. <laughs> that was yeah. well, I forgot. Yeah, I forgot Danny's case too. But I let our when we were doing "Let Our Children Go," we had another person on that had the exact same thing. They had oh, so it's notes. a pattern. Yeah, it was yeah. more than once. Yeah. And the thing about it is, um, the the police are. Um, protecting the social workers because the cps is privatized and so are the officers that are on call or whatever you want to call it a lot of times they're on a 1099 at the time they're doing it off duty so like in my situation they were monitoring every single visit i had with my son for the first year and the officers told me they were off duty while doing it and they were getting paid paychecks from cps privately like as a security guard to do it. So they're actually protecting the social workers privately. Wow. That's absurd. Yeah. yeah, these officers, I told them to leave my property and they said, well, since we're here with health and welfare, we we get to stay. And <laughs> to me, that's totally unlawful too. So like, what were they going to do there? They were just going to stay there? Um, Roast marshmallows? what were they doing they're just gonna have uh, come in and sit down watch netflix series (laughs) i don't know they ended up 
Um, We're doing it all wrong, Danny. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yes. Oh, we you you guys shocked Danny. You uh, shocked T Webs in the chat. He said, "What? Wait, CPS is privatized." Oh yeah. Yep. Surprise! Oh, yeah. Surprise! Surprise! Yes, that is yeah, not a lot of the our show before. It's the and, police and, stations are too. Not the sheriff's they, departments, but the city police. A lot of them are privatized. If you go to the Department of Justice website, you can find the handbook on how to start your own police station. And oh, they're yeah. privatized, and they get to use our money. I How think we isn't that nice? That too, yes, we did. What's that, Sylvia? The handbook on us, uh, oh. how to start a our own start, police start, department. Start up. We need to start arresting these criminals. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not a bad idea. I can see the statutes where they're breaking all these laws that are on the books, but for some reason they don't apply to them. Garth, <laughs> do you want to be a rescue the fosters police officer? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Um, We're taking okay. resumes. Right. If I get, I don't know. You if, have to be I'll, for the law. Yeah. We'll deputize you, right? We can the deputize law. anybody we want. I, the law is really, I think the Declaration of Independence got it right. What the law is supposed to be about is yeah. uh, to secure our individual God-given rights, right? Yep. Like, natural law basically natural law yeah and a, a mm -hmm. parents with their children like you don't interfere with that that's against the law Life, <laughs> liberty, like, and the pursuit of happiness is everybody's that's what God this given tree right. is for right we're bringing people back to the garden of eden natural law yes. and we're restoring that's... and reunifying families and bringing everything back to god's way awesome tree of life that's right so I believe in that, that like so we see this happening with the system that's supposed to be the law they're supposed to be enforcing the natural law and bringing justice and protecting individual rights but they're the ones become the most dangerous ones at violating our rights so right but it is really the duty of the people we can't just allow it to happen if we just sit back and do nothing and see all this injustice happening then we're going to have to answer to God for that too. And um, yeah, it's up to us to yeah enforce the law, make mm -hmm. sure that justice is liberty and justice is what should be happening. Yep. You have to get interested in that. We're just, they'll just keep pimping us out, selling us and all that. <laughs> speaking, speaking of people that don't follow the law, did you want to show some of your friends, Garth? We've got all those pictures of some, Fun people. Yes, some of your favorite people. Okay, so yeah, I'm gonna let me fix the screen real quick though. Hold on one second, because I don't like the way this is looking here. Uh, I could do that. The Garth party. This is where we're inviting all of his friends. Let me see if this works better. Because <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> sorry. Let me just get this. <laughs> Otherwise, it's not gonna work very good. There we go. Okay. Before, nice. we, before we get to them, can, let me finish real quick on the. Oh yeah, sure. Sorry. Happened with me there with me. So <laughs> they tried the CPS thing, but then CPS um, they only visited the one time, and then they said it was um, uh, unsubstantiated for lack of oh. evidence, or something. and so they left me alone after that. But oh. but then the next thing, I don't know who put it into uh, my ex-wife's head, but. She, to file a protection order, which I guess you can just, 
it almost seems like it doesn't matter what you write. They just grant these protection orders. I didn't get notice of a hearing, didn't get a chance to be heard. And all of a sudden there's this protection order. I didn't even know about it for a little while, but it said that I'm not allowed to contact it, my three children at all. I'm not allowed to see them or call them or anything. And this went on for over six months. I didn't get to see my children and I was always close to my children. I worked really hard, you know, provide a house for them. And when my ex was talking with the social worker on the lawn in her in the social worker's report my ex had told her that there had never been any abuse she actually told that to her so and really if you reading the protection order there wasn't really much to say there's all these weird little things um that aren't even really wouldn't even be considered abuse i don't think but so but they still granted it anyway so I think that's another issue I think that we're dealing with with foster kids with the uh, CPS and just the family courts is the due process issue where they make such a drastic move separate children from their parent for such a long time without mm -hmm. any evidence without any due process. Yep. And then when I try to write a motion to the court saying look there's no reason for me to not be able to see my children or even call them on the phone. Like, um, they just ignore my motions. And then like the whole divorce thing, she filed divorce too. And I went through that. And so I, I do feel like, um, you know, I want, I don't do this to, you know, say anything bad about my ex. I, um, but I do th think these are, other people were influencing her and it's just kind of the system incentivizes the separation of families yeah like, look there's a way for you to you know we'll give you food we'll take care of everything for you and take money from him and and you can have your children and get rid of him and anyway so there that's kind of what happened she took my children moved away and now i'm i tried to fight the divorce and but they didn't listen to any of my motions there either. So I ended up with this weird order where I only get to see him every other weekend. Hey, uh, Gina. Um, sorry, Garth. I'm, I'm, uh, Joetta is texting me that there's no sound and it's a black screen at the moment. Oh, really? On Rumble? Yeah, she said uh, they're FMS, black, green, black screen, no sound. Let me see. So if y'all can hear us or if you can see us, please let us know. It looks like it's working to me. It's working. Uh, maybe. So just go on. Let me see. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I think we're good there. Yep. Both, it's, it's working. working. Yeah. I see it. But maybe. Maybe it's her internet. Anyway, so that's kind of the I'm actually the child trafficking or whatever that I'm dealing with of the system. Now I don't get to see my children very often. Oh, like, I didn't realize that, Garth. I thought that for yeah. some reason, I thought you had custody of them right now. I get so to don't. see them every other weekend. Oh. Uh, and then only two weeks during the summer. Like at the beginning of summer, I get them two weeks. And then two and a half months, I go without being able to see them at all. So I never oh. agreed to any of this. I don't think it's right. No. Um, and um, yeah, I I feel like there's nothing I can really do through the courts to change it um what was i gonna say yeah that's yeah oh and the, the the government school thing 
I'm I don't want my children being raised by the government. <laughs> and there's these public schools. Yeah. But my ex does like so she's kind of like I don't know they get they got her trained in her mind this is good for our children I, I guess but that's kind of that's I think also a tool that the courts use in the family courts is they give the child to the parent that's more wanting to go along with the system put them in the government schools take them to yep. the big hospitals all, all that stuff um and they'll favor that parent and they'll favor the system so if, if there's me saying, no, I don't want my children raised by the government schools, then they, then they see me as, oh, that's bad for a child. <laughs> but so that, then they'll give me that kind of treatment where they're not going to even let me see my children. And so that's total, total a crime, I think. Yeah. I I, so anyway, that's Joyful another... June. Joyful June had mentioned, she said, could, could people somehow get the good judges to see this and band together to send indictments? to the criminal judges using sheriffs instead. Well, we kind of touched on a little bit of that earlier, June. You probably just joined us a little late. But um, if sheriffs would actually do their job, this would solve a lot of the problems. Sheriffs have much more power than I think we, the citizens, understand in their jurisdictions. Um, and they are called to uphold the law. And just quite frankly, most of them aren't. Um, now, we did have uh, Sheriff Mack on back in, gosh, from Arizona. When was that? That was probably over a year ago, and he was the uh, Constitutional Sheriff's uh, Association, Constitutional Sheriff's and Peace Officers Association. And um, they're doing great work. He he was a retired cop, kind of got famous for suing the Clintons and survived, <laughs> which is amazing in itself. Um, and then he ends up kind of heading this organization. They do weekly meetings. I get emails from them all the time. Um, and, you know, they're, they're trying to put something together uh, and unify sheriffs across this great country of ours. But, you know, it's it's a big battle. Um, it does look like Rumble keeps going out. So maybe, yeah, she, maybe there's... she's saying it keeps going out. Hmm. And I don't know hmm. about... is is. Can I get a 5x5 five five here on Foxhole? It does um, seem like it's working on Foxhole. So she Garth, said just to say... It's all Garth's fault. Yeah. <laughs> Look what you've done, Garth. They don't, they don't like Eamon Bundy, which I, I can't wait to meet this man. Uh, thank God for him. Yeah, Eamon's great. So I guess I'll just keep going if that's all right. Or... Yeah. 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 Continue. Yeah. It's it cuts in and out. I don't know what's what's going on over there. I'll wrap up kind of my story. Um, so I ended up having these warrants for my arrest. I kind of fled to North Idaho. Um, and that's where I got arrested again for uh, the video at the beginning was in North Idaho. And then they actually let me out, uh, which is, I had two warrants in Ada County at that time. So you think they'd extradite me down to Ada County, but they didn't. But after that experience at the court in Coeur d'Alene at the Kootenai County courthouse, I went to Bonner County, which is just North. Where there's another sheriff, Sheriff Wheeler, who's this big constitutional sheriff, wrote a letter to the governor. Oh, we're not following your mask mandates and stuff. So uh, we wanted to challenge him. So we called the sheriff's office and we're like, hey, Monday high noon, meet us at the courthouse and secure our rights, you know, to go in without a mask. But um, when I show up to the courthouse at that time with a little group of people's rights neighbors um, and my friend and uh, Casey Whalen, 
you haven't heard of Casey Whalen in North Idaho Exposed, yeah. look him up. He's great. Um, but yeah, he, yeah, send him to us. Okay. He filmed that thing in the Kootenai County Courthouse. He was there with his big video camera. He's a videographer. Um, but And he's been arrested for the same. He was the first one, actually, in Idaho to be arrested uh, for failure to appear because he wouldn't wear a mask in the courthouse. But at that courthouse in Coeur d'Alene, so anyway, we go to Bonner County and then Idaho State Police was there. Sandpoint Police just arrested me right when I was there, first got there. And then in Bonner County, um, they uh, they kept me in Bonner County a couple of days and made me do the internet court over the thing. They just like forced the internet court on you, even though Idaho Constitution says in all criminal prosecutions, you have the right to appear and defend in person. It actually says that in the constitution but so i kept just telling that to the judges over and over i have a right to appear in person i'm not doing internet court i object to this i want to appear in person <laughs> but they would never do that and so actually they end up extraditing me from bonner county to ada county and when i get to ada county they make me do internet court so it's like they drove me nine hours where my vehicle and my stuff was all in north idaho they drive me down nine hours, you know, to get to Ada County to see a judge in Ada County, just to have me do it over the internet from the Ada County jail. <laughs> when I could have just done that from from uh, Sandpoint in Bonner County. Um, it's just so Did ridiculous. they drive you back? No, I had to find a ride back. Luckily, I had a, found a friend that was going up that way. So I got it back up to my vehicle. But I spent 21 days straight in the Ada County jail. And uh, in that jail, they had a mask mandate too. And I would not wear a mask in there. So they put, kept me in a cell, kept me in isolation all the time. You know, I didn't get to go to the general population area. I was just stuck in this tiny little cell all the time. I got one hour in the hallway, which is like a 40 foot by five foot hallway. And that was the only time I could use like their tablet for communications or whatever or phone calls anyway um and they even tried to say i couldn't talk to an attorney unless i wore a mask <laughs> and i wouldn't i never would and so they had an attorney come sit on the floor and speak to me through the little feed hole slot <laughs> my gosh because um, they didn't want me going in the hallway because they actually all the deputies a lot of them had their masks under their chin a lot of the time they didn't even wear them either that don't make no sense um but <laughs> if you went in the hallway you had to wear them because the important people might see you in the hallway right so that yeah it was all bananas but so i get through the i was supposed to be five weeks he throws me in jail the day before thanksgiving till shortly after christmas he wants me to spend the whole christmas season in jail this five weeks just to so nine of the days was to serve a jail sentence for that first conviction I got. But then after that, it was just waiting for a court date. So he purposely set the court date out. This is Judge Daniel Steckel in Ada County, magistrate judge. Purposely sets it out just to keep me in jail over the holidays. That's what kind of guys these are. Um, and yeah, so I end up, I ended up taking a plea deal. Actually, I, which I don't like that I did that. No. But, um, <laughs> hey, 
Hey, I'm it. proud of you for sticking it out as long as you did. Yeah, you know, all the other ones just would have put it on and it didn't matter. So I was I, under I, extreme threat. This judge had threatened me over and over saying, if you break any more rules, I'm 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 gonna impose the entire sentence on you. So I what was the entire sentence? From the first charge it would have been a year. That's what he's threatening. If you break one more any kind of rule, I'm gonna impose the a full year on you. But then I had three other charges, three other misdemeanors, which each could carry another year. So it was just gonna keep going on and on, and I would have no remedy. You know, I had tried filing motions and reading the law and all that, but I was getting nowhere. So I even, they kind of wore me down and I just took the plea deal just to get out of jail and just to get done with it. Actually, Ammon Bundy had paid $2,000 to bail me out of jail because hmm. they had put an arrest warrant. Like that arrest warrant they had on me was for $20,000. So, which that's even the bail bonds lady was like, that's just unusual. Like you don't have any criminal history or anything. And for like, usually they'll start out at like a low, like 500 maybe. And then they'll gradually increase. But with, since it was me, they just straight up to 20,000. And so Ammon just couldn't stand me. He, he didn't, he tried to keep it quiet that it was him who bailed me out. But I found out later, he never even told me, but I went and confronted him. I was like, who, who bailed me out? I was like, did you bail me out? <laughs> just couldn't stand <laughs> Thank the you, Aaron Bundy. suffering in there. <laughs> oh, yeah, he, he bailed me out. Um, so, yeah. Garth, it does appear you're hitting a nerve because uh, we are the only channel on Rumble that I can tell that is not working. <laughs> so it's yeah. and I can't get it. I went on the website. I'm on the app. It's not working on either one. It's working for Fox. I, I had to yeah. I had to send you the the Foxhole link for her to mm. watch it. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. and we've got we've got a bunch of people. Yeah, there's a bunch of people that want to watch, and they're kind of hanging, waiting for it to start, but. This is a spiritual uh, warfare situation, and you can tell your... I'll post it on Twitter. I'll post the foxhole one. You can tell your ranking in the spiritual world with with your (laughs) calling and what you're doing for God based on how much you're attacked. (laughs) (laughs) So you've got a lot of people around you that want you to fail. That's a good sign. That means you're doing the right thing for God. Yeah. So, man. Yep. <laughs> that actually. Do you mind if I share a couple of scriptures? Yeah, yeah. go right ahead. We love the scripture. I wanted to bring up this point. I just at Luke twenty three thirty five. Let me pull it up on my app real quick. Uh, oh, we're back on Rumble now. Oh, sweet. Just in time for a little devotion. Just just for all you guys. Yeah, all you guys over on Rumble, thank you so much for sticking around if you're still there. It looks like there are people that, uh, some left, but a lot of you stuck around. So, sorry, it is not on our end. Uh, It's If you guys want to jump over on the foxhole, we have had zero tech issues over there. So it's, (laughs) I don't know, say what you will. It's something going on over there on Rumble. So Yeah, good Good idea, T-Webs. Thank you. Okay, sorry. Go ahead, Garth. Yeah. So sometimes this thing, dealing with these things can get overwhelming and cause people some discouragement. But um, so I want to talk about what happened to Jesus because Jesus also dealt with the false prosecution 
and even mm-hmm. pretty much sentenced to death for nothing, mm-hmm. <laughs> no real crime. And he's sentenced to death. So when he's being crucified, here's what they they told him. The, the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. Mm-hmm. So, And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him, offering him vinegar. Um, so they're mocking Jesus. He's hanging yeah. on a cross. They're saying, look, if, if this be the chosen of God, why doesn't he save himself? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of, these people feel like they're, there's a victory. like, And maybe the people, yeah. like his mother was standing by, right? And his disciple John and probably other disciples were standing by watching this, maybe feeling discouraged. but, And, I, and it does seem like, they didn't understand what he had been telling them that he would rise again after three days. But so this was a dark moment, but it wasn't their victory. It right. Was, um, God was still overall. And uh, it, it all turned back, all turned right. And he was resurrected and appeared to the people. Um, and that broke the bands of death for all of us so we can all live again so yeah he had the victory yeah he did and we just have to stand firm that's what we do we stand on the rock he's the rock we don't waver i know the truth i've been following him 20 years and i haven't regretted one day (laughs) kids he he's transformed me from the inside out and i'm sure he's done the same for all of you I, i know definitely for danielle and sylvia and Garth sounds like you too. And, and like, we know truth. And when you know truth, there's no wavering. Amen. And that's something I've noticed about the Bible. And um, um, I'm a Latter-day Saint, so I believe the Book of Mormon. But that has a lot of stories also of the prophets. A lot of them got thrown in jail. And a lot of the time, it's just for what you say. Yeah. Like, yeah. Jesus didn't attack anybody, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Alma and Amulek never, it's not usually for what you say. It's just for speaking the truth. And they right. just have to try to shut that down. Yeah. Uh, well, well, Jesus said the truth is offensive. It divides families. So yeah. it's, you know, it's a sword. That's what exactly what it is. And the crazy thing is, is that all of these government officials, police, whatever, like all of them in God, we trust. And then they say that they're following God, but they have no idea. It's like exactly what you just said, Garth, with that with that Bible verse. I mean, literally, you can clearly see if they did that to Jesus, they can, they're still doing it today to all of us. I mean, I don't understand how they don't see what they're doing sometimes. It's it's so crazy. And this is what's happening to Ammon Bundy and Diego Rodriguez right now. They're in they're in a very perilous situation right now and suffering but um for speaking the truth and the whole defamation trial and their their arrest warrants are only based on what they said that was true about what saint luke's did and so here's the other other verse i want to share it's actually out of the book of saint luke which is this hospital that's prosecuting Amanda diego isn't i guess named after um 
So Luke chapter 12, verse 2 through 4. So this is a message for St. Luke's Hospital. Chris Roth, Tracy Youngman, and Natasha Erickson, they're the plaintiffs on this case. Verse 2, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light. And that which ye have spoken in the ear in closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. Um, and that's why I admire, I admire Ammon and Diego for following this. They're not backing down in fear. That's what St. Luke's is trying to do, is use this government to target them, make an example of them, and frighten them into submission, and to, to just shut up and be quiet and not say anything more, exposing them. That's why they drive Ammon out. They don't want him exposing them anymore. Um, Boy, well, I'm glad you picked that scripture. About, for gosh, this is a while, probably six years ago, I had a dream. He gives me quite a few dreams, but one of them was, what's been concealed will be revealed. <laughs> And I believe that's the time we're living in right now. So, yeah, let's, let's talk about baby Cyrus situation a little bit. Um, one of the thing again, Garth, just for the audience, for people that are just joining in, baby Cyrus, who is baby Cyrus? How's this all involved? Okay. Yeah, I'll, I guess I'll go over kind of how it started. It was, uh, so Ammon Bundy was running for governor. Then in March, this is in March of 2022. He's working on his campaign. His friend Diego Rodriguez um, is speaking at some of the online events. And Diego has a website called Freedom Man, freedomman.ws. And this is where you can go to hear the whole Baby Cyrus story and see all the videos. Diego really put a lot of effort into this website and he made another one called St. Luke's exposed.ws where that has all the court documents, just all the evidence. The whole story is laid out on there. That's the best place to go. Um, see what happened. We have Ammon has some videos on his channel. I have some on my channel about it. Um, I posted the whole jury trial, the audio of the jury trial uh, to determine the damages of defamation is what they called it um so those are you can learn more details there but so um cyrus was uh he was having trouble he was vomiting pretty much and so the parents were trying to to help trying to take care of their child and uh they ended up bringing him to St. Luke's because they felt there was something that I don't remember exactly who referred them to St. Luke's or how they ended up there, but they ended up at St. Luke's getting some kind of help there. And then when they wanted to leave, then the doc, Dr. Erickson starts threatening them to with CPS and the CPS social worker interviewed them at the hospital. But then St. Luke's ends up discharging them, but they pretty much like ordered them to have appointments for weigh-ins um for cyrus and they went to some of those appointments but then uh one of the one of the times marissa called in 
and canceled the appointment. She said she wasn't feeling well, didn't want to go into the hospital. You know, this is during COVID time or whatever. So, um, but when she canceled the appointment, that kind of set some things in motion. And that's when the they put out a bolo or be on the lookout. And they threw cell phone pings on Levi's, the father's cell phone, tracked him down to this gas station in Garden City, which is pretty much in Boise um and surrounded with a huge police force with police from uh Boise Garden City Meridian but it was the Meridian police detectives that were leading this uh the ones involved are Jeffrey Fuller um uh Christopher McGilvery and uh uh I'm blanking on the other guy's name the go on your merry way guy, Hanson, Steve Hanson. So, and there was another lead detective on there that I can't remember his name. Um, but so they surround the family. They've confronted them very roughly. You see, it's all on the body cam footage. They they slam Levi up against the truck and he's like, what am I being detained for? And they're like, felony injury to a child. And then... Uh, so Marissa was actually the mother of Cyrus was sitting in the backseat of this pickup truck and her sister Miranda was sitting in the passenger seat of this pickup truck and they thought Miranda they didn't even know that Miranda wasn't Cyrus's mom and so they go over to Miranda and she's filming them with her phone and they rip her phone out of her hand and grab her arms and like start pulling her out of the window of this door on the truck and um then yeah she's like what are you charging me for she's what are you why are you doing this felony injury to a child and then she's like child that's not even my child and um they're like that's not your child then you don't need to be going into handcuffs then and she's like well yeah maybe you should learn how to do your job better <laughs> and, uh, this video from uh, the kidnap sorry that's the thing yeah you want me to go ahead and play this, Garth? Sure. We, we'll play some of it. Yeah, let me... Uh, I'm having trouble with my screen. Sorry, guys. No way. Okay, there we go. I know. Go figure. Being <laughs> of baby Cyrus is demonstrative proof that Sergeant Christopher McGilvery is a belligerent tyrant, and no citizen of Meridian is safe from his tyranny. Meridian citizens call on Chief of Police Tracy Bastarachea to fire this belligerent tyrant or resign in shame. Okay, Levi, do me a favor, step out of the car. I would like to first speak with No, I want you to step out of the car. Okay, is that my right to speak? Not right now, it's not. Get out of the damn car. Get out of the car. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna screw around with you, okay? Get out of the car. Right now. Get back now. Or are you gonna go to jail? Get back now. What are you gonna go to jail? Wait. Your back. Wait a minute. Put your hands behind your Wait, back. Why am I being okay? Right now you're being detained. Detained for what? Let's watch this tyrant slam Levi up against the truck in a show of excessive force. There was clearly no reason for this treatment. Detained for what? I ain't brought this screw with you. You understand? Okay, for what? For what? For what reason? For a family injury to a child. 
There was never a shred of evidence of felony injury to a child, and Levi and Marissa were never charged nor prosecuted for such a sick allegation. Belligerent Tyrant Sergeant Christopher McGilvery is 100% aware that there is zero evidence, but he is assaulting Levi anyway because he can. This psychopathic tyrant then turned his attention to Miranda, who everyone knows is not Baby Cyrus's mother. Watch how this belligerent tyrant treats a harmless, unarmed, Hispanic young woman who knows her rights. I need you to put your phone down and step out. Okay. She needs to come out, too. Okay. I'll out the car. Out. Mm -hmm. no, Felony no. injury to child. Get out of the car. Hey, you can't abuse me. I'm getting out. Get out I'm getting car. out. Let me get out. Okay. Okay. Hang on, Mike. I will step out. Get out of the car. You're Dad, it's okay. For felony injury to child? For felony injury to child? That's not my child. That's not your child? That's not your child? I'm not answering anything. Okay, if it's not your child, then you don't need to be if that's not your child, you don't need to be going into handcuffs. But from his position where he assaulted Miranda and ripped her arms through the window, he could clearly see Marissa, Cyrus's actual mother, in the backseat holding baby Cyrus, as another officer clearly notes this, who wasn't even as close as McGilvery was. Watch. From this angle, you can also clearly see that belligerent tyrant Sergeant Christopher McGilvery could easily see from the passenger side window that Marissa was holding baby Cyrus in the back seat. Remarkably, after violently assaulting Marissa's husband and her sister in front of her face, belligerent tyrant Sergeant Christopher McGilvery proceeded to talk to Marissa with a voice like he is a young mother talking to a baby, basically acting like a sadistic schizophrenic. He proceeded to lie repeatedly to Marissa, promising her that she would not be separated from baby Cyrus and that she could go with baby Cyrus to the hospital. We're going to take him to no. the hospital. And no. if you want to go, you can Can come I away. ride with him? Yes, please? you can. Okay. Okay. We'll get an ambulance here to transport you. Okay. okay. I'll give him to you and that you could promise me you go to the hospital with me and him. We'll, we'll ride with him in an ambulance. We'll take you to the hospital, okay? This, of course, was all a lie, as Marissa was threatened with arrest and harm to baby Cyrus if she didn't give up the baby once she got in the ambulance. And belligerent tyrant Sergeant Christopher McGilvery knew it all along, as we can clearly hear him say so in this body cam footage from outside the ambulance. Evidently, the police didn't want Marissa or anyone to know where CPS was going to hide baby Cyrus, and that is why they plotted secretly to keep Marissa away. This lying, belligerent tyrant had the gall to actually tell Marissa to her face, I'm not going to lie to you, right after he just lied to her. Also earlier, corrupt cop Kenneth Cagle is scared and nervous, realizing he has just falsely arrested Miranda twice. So he asked belligerent tyrant Sergeant Christopher McGilvery what he should do with Miranda, and tyrant McGilvery responds with his favorite phrase, take her to jail. So I told her I was going to write her out, and she won't give me her information, he won't give okay, me her take name. take her to jail. Yeah, she's Later that night, after belligerent tyrant McGilvery illegally trespassed and arrested Ammon Bundy, he then has this exchange with the protester, again using his favorite go-to phrase, you're under arrest, 
demonstrating himself to be the belligerent tyrant that he is. Loops wants you to that sidewalk right there. Well, what does that do? That's where they want you. They're, it's their property. They told, they told you to tell me to stop. That's, that's correct. How do you know they were talking about me? Okay, turn around. You're under arrest. No, I'm not. Turn, Belligerent tyrant Sergeant Christopher McGilvery roams the streets of Meridian to this day, terrorizing the citizens of Meridian and assaulting, abusing, and harassing untold numbers of innocent citizens. Nobody is safe as long as belligerent tyrant Sergeant Christopher McGilvery is free. Wow. Yeah. So after Thank that, God yeah, for you body get my Gina, where you get my text messages? Oh, let me check. So apparently, I don't know if everyone could see the video, but I was getting text messages that it was not showing. Yep. Oh, yeah, I've been watching it on and off, and it's just like it's like frozen. Then it'll play for a second, then it goes back. So yeah, there's something. So going if y'all want to just go to Garth's um, YouTube. It's on your mm -hmm. YouTube channel, Garth. That one's on there, yeah. Yeah. On uh, Diego's website, freedomman.ws. Yeah, that's Under. this. Uh, that's this website right here. I literally yeah. have a hard time watching the videos having to do with that family because that I lived it. Like it's severely traumatizing. Every time I watch it, I'm like, oh gosh, people have no idea like how bad this is. I'm sorry, girl. Oh, no, I'm good. But <laughs> what happened just... right after this is pretty much exactly what happened to you, where they end up mm -hmm. taking Cyrus out of her arms. And... Yep, exactly the same thing, just surrounded by a bunch of tyrants in the hospital room and no questions asked. And it's interesting because my son's father, his family is Anderson as well. Oh. So there's a bloodline situation taking place. Perhaps. Oh, wow. Yeah, so after this, they get her to go in the ambulance to get her away from everyone, and then they tell her she can go in the ambulance with Cyrus. Uh, but then the officer, Steve Hansen, actually says to her, um, hand over your child and go on your merry way, or you go to jail. Like, what a cold, evil go thing. Go on your merry way. How, yeah, how in the world, you, these people have their own children. Like, right. how in the world do you go to a job, steal people's kids for doing nothing, committing no crimes, and then you just go home to your family and, well, you go on your merry way back home and... and well, I would kids? tell you, Gino, that is not exactly how it happens. Because as a caseworker, um, and when I would have tough days like that, I would actually go home and drink. And I was actually drinking way more than I ever was. And all of these workers are actually on alcohol and drugs. And if you actually look in their drawers, they probably have fireball in there and they probably have Coke and, and weed and everything else in there. They are usually the ones that are using the most drugs and alcohol that's ever. And not only that, but they're driving around with your kids because they can't function. So it's not that they just can go home and lay down and go to sleep. No, what they do is they go home and they drown themselves in whiskey and in pills until they pass out. It was the only time I was ever on uh, antidepressants. Um, I drank more. I thought I was going to need AA, NA, any type of AA there was when I was a caseworker. <laughs> All the A's. Yes. All right. 
true. Well, the other thing too, is that the police officers, even all the ones we talk to, they're like, this would never happen to me. I take care of my children. So they have an arrogance to them as well, where they think that they're above other people and this would never happen to them because they're on, you know, that side. So if you can't beat them, join them kind of thing. So I'm not joining kidnappers. Tell you that. Kidnapper freaks. Kidnapper freaks. That's what this is. Like (laughs) those officers. So what they arrested was, was for their excuse to to seize Cyrus without a warrant was imminent danger, and for imminent danger there has to be you know risk of death or immediate serious physical harm or whatever. And they just see Cyrus being held by his mother. He's not in imminent danger, and what the they talk about this in court, and what the nurse who had talked to them said was, "This is a nurse, Tracy Youngman." who works for St. Luke's Cares, and their only job is to provide evidence to police and CPS for them to use in court to separate children from families. That's what St. Luke's Cares is. And other hospitals throughout the U.S. have these uh, CACs or whatever that do these. But St. Luke's Cares is the one that was involved here. With tra- nurse Tracy Youngman had never seen Cyrus, never, didn't know anything about Cyrus or his parents except some of the St. Luke's records when they had been there previously that showed between weigh-in appointments between a Friday and a Monday that he had lost a little over an ounce of weight. And then that he had canceled the doctor's appointment. That's all they're going by to to seize this child. And, uh, but it's, it gets more damning and they, they tried to change the story in the jury trial. They lied in the jury trial about what happened next. But so they see Cyrus, take him in, the ambulance records show that he's a healthy baby, no acute life threats noted. Same with the doctors that first see him at Meridian Hospital. This is like early Saturday morning. You know, they seized him, I think, a little after midnight on that Friday night. So now it's like 1 a.m., 2 a.m. Saturday morning. And these this doctor, Rachel Thomas, sees Cyrus and her notes and uh Another doctor had seen him and said that he was sitting up and things. So, and Rachel Thomas is on body cam saying that um, that he's a totally stable patient. And then she says, not that it, she, she's like, so here's what I want to do. I want to get him over to Boise. So we'll put him in an ambulance. We'll take him out. We'll break some protocols and go through a different entrance. We'll sneak him over to St. Luke's Boise. Because by then, so this is where the People's Rights Network come in. Ammon Bundy, somehow, you know, so when Marissa, this is happening, when the police first start surrounding, she um, starts, one, live streaming on Facebook, and then she calls Ammon Bundy because she feels like he could help. And so he comes, and he went straight to the Meridian Hospital. I guess somehow he knew that, I don't know if the Lord inspired him or what, but he went to the right place. And he goes to the the emergency bay and it happens that Cyrus was actually right inside that door down the hall, like <laughs> uh, when they brought him there. And so a lot of people had shown up at the gas station. That's how people's rights, this is the middle of the night and all these people get alerted, go, you know, Garden City, 36th Street, baby, you know, been kidnapped. Um, 
or whatever it said. I don't know what the text originally said, but it said, go to Garden City. They need your help. Their baby's been taken away. And so all these people show up at the gas station and then they follow them to the Meridian Hospital. And so there's a crowd out there and there you could hear on the video of the bot when McGilvery's got his body cam on. You can hear people outside saying, shame on you, shame on you. And it's pretty loud. And while Rachel Thomas is trying to talk and so she's like, we got to get Cyrus away from all this. And and so because they had a foster mom at the hospital and they were going to send Cyrus home with a foster mom. But this is all proof that so seizing him in the first place i think was unlawful there was no good reason to do it it was a total overreaction yeah cyrus was having health issues and the, but the parents were trying to do everything they could there was no evidence of the neglect or abuse at all so they shouldn't have took him in the first place but if you want to try to i don't see how just people people really try to justify what these people did here but I see no justification even for that. But if you want to justify that, once you get Cyrus and you see that he's fine, why don't you give him back to the parents? You know, why, and why can't the mother go with him to the hospital when all the nutrients, this baby, she's pled with them. Look, my baby needs me. He's only takes breast milk. So for the you know they're trying to help this baby the worst thing they can do is to take him from his nursing mother uh and his source of nourishment and food um so if you try to justify that it's just there's no way to justify it and you have no evidence of abuse at all she's trying to do her best to take care of this baby and so they keep the child and then they um yeah, they, so they took, they sneaked Cyrus over to Boise. They got him out over there. And she said, yeah, she said, seriously, what I want to do, I'm going to go to Boise. Not that it's medically necessary, but to get him into a foster family. They, they, so they sent him to Boise. Just the whole plan, the whole goal is to get him with a foster family. Mm-hmm. And in Idaho, a lot of, and I think in other places, homosexuals can be foster parents, like a yeah. homosexual couple. And, uh, Actually, there's the, the whole gender thing is getting into the Idaho Department of Health and Welfare, like where if you want to be a foster parent, you have to now take a class where you have, you know, you're trained on gender affirmation. So, yeah. So there's a lot of concerns about foster care. We don't want Cyrus going into foster care. So that's why all these people showed up at the hospital in the middle of the night. And then the next, once we find out he goes to Boise, I don't even know how we found that out, but we went to Boise and protested there for days on end and the health and welfare office. And then we went to the homes of, I went to the home of Steve Hansen and other people went to the officer that said, go on your merry way. Yeah. I went to his house and we went and passed out pamphlets in the neighborhood with the web freedom man website. Diego had made this website with the story and it had a the website link. And we told people the story, knocked on doors and told all his neighbors what had happened. Oh, nice. Yeah, and so this started yeah, to get awesome. Diego and Ammon. Ammon kind of has, you know, had some people knew his name, and he was running for governor, and he had that whole history, and so him getting arrested brought a lot of attention to it. Um, and just Gar- him. Did you, videos. did you want me to play that? Did you want me to play the video from the hospital? I got a um, going on. Oh, is it a short one about? Uh, yeah. Not medically, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that. like forty seconds or something. 
Here's the thing. So. I need to have some more degrees of separation to protect this poor foster mom that's going to take this kid, everything else. I know. So what I want to do yeah. is admit this baby to poison. Not because it's medically necessary. The kid has lost weight and needs to be yeah. um, not in all of this. But what I want to do is send the baby to Boise because then that's a few more degrees of separation, keep mm -hmm. them overnight, and then sometime tomorrow when they don't know, get the baby out with CPS to the foster okay. parents. And it's going to make it a little easier to How have you guys in transport? Ambulance. What I, what I want, what I want, uh, what I'm going to have the house suit do is I'm going to have the ambulance crew come to a different entrance. Awesome. Because okay. that way they're distracted out here. Yeah. We keep them distracted out here. The I have an EMS crew come over here, so, and we're going okay. to send the baby out back, so, back entrance. They're going. You see how they treated that foster parent, this poor mm -hmm. foster parent, not yeah. not the poor mother that right. just gave her, over her child the poor foster parent so they flipped the system and it's the poor foster parent that i don't know so it's so backwards but um i love the chant out in the i could hear the chant in the <laughs> doorway shame on you shame on you <laughs> so. i'll tell you as soon as the video started playing the screen went black on rumble immediately <laughs> Well, I just shared it on AM and Bundy. I really don't want him to show, and that's why they got these contempt of court things because of Amber well, posting the video. I just well, shared it on, on AM Bundy's uh, page too. Yeah, yeah shame on you, whoever's. Yeah, shame on you, whoever's blacking us out because I'm gonna upload it, so it's still gonna be there. You can go back and watch. <laughs> it's being recorded anyway. Right. <laughs> and we still. So, I don't understand. If you're behind this and you're shutting down the video, what are you so afraid of? If you're doing the right thing, if if you're abiding by the they're law not, and doing all the right, not why doing are you, the right why, thing. Why, this. Sylvia, <laughs> Sylvia, Sylvia, I'm being facetious. Okay. So this right. doctor. On my this Sylvia doctor has ODD. <laughs> Oppositional defiant disorder. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> that's, that's so they can get you on the drugs they died yeah. <laughs> right um yeah. so this doctor that said that that was rachel thomas later she tells she speaks to news people and they posted in the idaho statesman a whole different story she said this baby looked like it was about to die it was she had been to haiti before uh, working with children she said this oh. looked like a baby starving death in haiti you know like one of those babies and uh, so, and she oh. testified too during this trial to determine the damages. She tells the jury, "This baby was about to die. Yeah, it looked like a Haiti baby." And and uh, was she a, was she with the Clintons in Haiti? Because they did such great I work. Know, I'm wondering what the, with, with the I think there's a connection yeah. there. After the trial, Laura Silsby, yeah, lots of good people down yeah. there. This doctor moved, fled the country after this trial too. She went to I New bet. Zealand. I don't know what she's doing now, but. Yeah, I bet there's a connection there with the Clintons and Haiti or whatever. But I don't know that, but maybe it would be good to look into. So yeah, that she lied, and then um, yeah, other people lied during this jury trial. It's interesting that um, so Ammon and Diego weren't there to defend. So it was a once it was a weird thing, like a one-sided trial. There was no lawyers or anyone on the other side. But I think that was good because then these people. All these liars, all these police and hospital staff and the plaintiffs, they all get to go on the stand and just without anyone objecting, 
or stopping them. They just go on and on and on. And I think if just, there would have been objections, they wouldn't have been, you know, they were just, just reading the script. They just totally, um, what do you say? Like condemn themselves with what they said. They just, I think all of this, everything they're doing is just making them look worse and just and and as far as with the lord they're just digging a deeper hole and damning themselves more and more they push this but they're pushing this relentlessly they are just fiercely relentless going after the bundy family and diego rodriguez family they say they're going to collect the whole 52 million dollars they took ammon's house as part of that they took his wife's bank account money they actually had took his son's bank account money. His son, Hayden, who's on a mission in Washington, D.C., he had worked and saved this money up for his mission, and they took it out of his account uh, right before Christmas, and then Ammon made a video about it, and then they put that money back in. Because <laughs> I guess... But anyway, um, and now Ammon has a warrant for $250,000. So I wanted to... Let me... I know I don't know if we're out of time, but a couple more minutes. Okay. Let's finish up this story. And Garth, we're gonna have to have you back. I mean, I yeah, I know you got a I'd lot of other things back. you wanna. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, so let's finish off just by showing all the pictures with those their names. <laughs> let's see if it goes black. Yeah, the way to <clears throat> show that. And I'll just start. To, I'll talk about them a little bit as it goes. So the, that's. Tracy Youngman, that's one of the plaintiffs pursuing this case. Um, and she is the CARES nurse, the CPS nurse. Um, the other plaintiffs yeah, says, are... <laughs> I love the little captions underneath. <laughs> she is the CPS-funded nurse who, who told child trafficker Jeff Fuller to declare baby Cyrus an imminent danger, even though she had never seen baby Cyrus. Isn't that amazing? How can never somebody seen. make the make that call and never saw the baby? She's not even. And a I would doctor. love to say that I would love to say that's a once-off thing. You know, it just, it just it's so rare that that happens. No, it happens all the time. Okay, is that plan? That's okay, the other here's plan. The, here's Natasha misdiagnosis Erickson. Oh, so now it's only playing ads. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'll show up for a second. All right, it's showing it's showing now, but it's it's lagging. So it's showing the previous page. It's not showing Natasha yet. I was told a... that it keeps looking like portraits, so it looks yeah. like stills of us, but not showing the video. Well, I have it now, and it's it's lagging. Oh, now it's going back, and it's not showing what you're showing. It's showing the previous yeah, it's page. Stuck. Yeah, it's stuck from about five minutes ago. It, it yeah. keeps doing that. That's fine. It's going to get uploaded. Okay, so Luke. there's Natasha, Luke's St. Luke's doctor. And uh, who's who's this gentleman? Oh, Sean King. Sean King, police officer. He arrested, he arrested Marissa after they took Cyrus. They did send her to jail. He arrested her, and they, they felt her up twice before they took her to the jail and of course i think they felt her up again there wait Which... he put his hand up her shirt and down her pants what you can kind of see in one of the videos on that website oh my and gosh he's, you know feeling her all over to for weapons or whatever but it's all unnecessary and it's just pretty sick but 
Oh my gosh. Like that. Here's the uh, belligerent, as <laughs> you call him, Sheriff. McGilvery. The belligerent thug screaming at Miranda to get her ass out of the car and the one who slammed Levi against the truck and handcuffed him. He was the most aggressive tyrant of the entire kidnapping event. All these people look so nice, though, Garth. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess the jury thought they were nice people because they awarded... St. Luke suggested $37 million and they granted $52 million. Hmm. That's uh Baby deep. Cyrus was returned, right? Yes. After about six and days, even after the Lori Fortier, the judge, ruled for him to stay in state custody, the state gave Cyrus back to the parents. So see what happens when the people come together. This baby is home. That's right. So even if Ammon is destroyed or killed over this, he says he's okay with that because he died, you know, protecting a baby and so he could be with his family. These are sick people. Okay, so this one is Roxanne Pritz. She's a social worker. So scroll down a little bit and let's read her little description. She is the CPS social worker who wrote the affidavit full of lies with zero evidence and without being a witness to any facts. She is a ringleader in the Idaho child trafficking ring. This is where like the fourth amendment right to uh, about unreasonable search and seizure. They just step right around that. They pretend to follow it, but they really don't have probable cause or evidence to sue someone, but they do it anyway. And then they write up an affidavit like you're supposed to, but they don't even, that's someone who never even knew Cyrus and just writes up a bunch of lies. Doesn't, you know, if you're writing an affidavit, you're supposed to be a witness to what actually happened, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Didn't yeah. Even know under anything. the threat of, yeah, under the threat of perjury, right? If you perjure yourself, you go to jail on an affidavit. You know, uh, the only reason baby Cyrus is back is because people stood up. Yeah. If, if no one would have showed yeah. up and wouldn't have kept yelling shame on you and all that stuff, that babe, that poor baby is out being trafficked. Yep. Right. I I know how that's how that is. I didn't mm -hmm. have an army standing up for me at that time. So that's what I was yeah. thinking. Like when that one, what's her name, Israel or something, uh, was taking your baby. If you would have had a crowd there saying shame on you mm -hmm. and give that baby back, like that would have made that's a right. huge difference. Yeah, and she actually even stated on the stand in court there was no emergency and there was no warrant. Wow. And now your child has been gone all this time. Yep, seven so, years. Seven years. I'm so sorry. Like, and if someone would have intervened then, it could have stopped it. So this is what would have happened to Cyrus. Yeah. Yeah. No. Thank God so it didn't. This this is an interesting character, Aaron Dykstra, Functional Medicine of Idaho. Uh, he is the nurse practitioner who contacted CPS simply because Marissa canceled Cyrus's weigh-in appointment. Did they ask why it was canceled? Oh. Um, well, I got to say something real quick about um, the hypocrisy of St. Luke's. So canceling an appointment is caused to go see, take a child from their parents uh, you know, they consider it child abuse or medical neglect or whatever, which is a form of abuse. 
Well, what, what St. Luke's does is one of the few hospitals that actually does gender affirmation surgeries and treatments. And they were offering that to minors, to ch children just hitting puberty, you know, 10, 11 years old. They'll cut their cut the penis off a boy and the testicles or the breasts off of a young a young woman. And they'll call that health care. Uh, but canceling a doctor's appointment is child abuse and they'll take your child away. But you know, you know speaking of speaking of hypocrisy, during the pandemic, I wonder how many appointments they canceled. And right. did any of them get in trouble for canceling it? Gosh, that's so weird how that works, isn't it? Right. It's all inverted. It's all backwards. It's ridiculous. That's there probably so was political motivations in this case when they knew, they even wrote in the medical records that this child was connected to it was a friend of Ammon Bundy. <laughs> <laughs> they had to put that in there, didn't they? Yeah. And so this thing they were trying to interrupt Ammon's governor campaign by getting more charges against him and this lawsuit. Yep. Because from the beginning Sick. of the pandemic, Gammon was exposing what the governor was doing, uh, which was pretty alarming, especially when it comes to children. The stuff we read in the governor's emergency order was suspending parental rights. And it was saying the state could take your children. And there's usually rules about, okay, if when the state takes them into custody, there has to be um, a place, you know, ratios staff to children ratios and bathrooms and fire codes and you know it has to be in a safe place they suspended all those rules and all the rules about notifying the parents where they are allowing communication with the parents they suspended all those rules so when ammons read that he started talking about it on his youtube channel and that's where i i re i saw that and i was like holy cow this is alarming um I think our pushback kind of held back some what they really wanted. I think they wanted to go further with the COVID stuff to the point of taking more, separating more mm -hmm. families, their contact tracing. And then so they have contact tracers and then that's how they get into the home. And then they say, okay, we got to quarantine this child. We got to take him out of the home. And then it seemed like they were planning to take a lot of children out of homes and put them somewhere suspending all those rules. Why else would they suspend all those rules? So, right. anyway, this is all big political thing, and partly to get Ammon and target Ammon and Diego, make examples of them, and drive them out of Idaho to eliminate their influence, so people wouldn't do kind of what they did. But um, it's kind of, and it is sad that this is still going on. So uh, that's why I'm thankful you let me on here to talk about this because we need. St. Luke's to drop all of this. They could drop it in a moment. So I'm calling on St. Luke's. If you're listening, you get to see this. I know they watch my YouTube videos, but um, maybe it's St. Luke's the one that's blocking it out. Just you have a chance to repent, like and drop it now. If you just do the right thing, I guess is what I would say to the yeah. three plaintiffs, Chris Roth, Tracy Youngman, and Natasha Erickson, like just let it go like it's gone far enough like it's not doing any good to anyone to, to continue to do, to uh destroy the bundy family um and take all their stuff it's got to be really hard for them to live when they have this 52 million dollars and so now they can't buy a hat they seize their bank accounts they can't 
live like normal people anymore because everything they make will get seized <laughs> by this these plaintiffs. It seems to me that big blessings are going to be coming the Bundy's way in the future. Yes. Truth. Truth does always he have a finds its way to I the mean, top. does he have a way for people to help him? Do you know? I think the thing that needs to happen is people need to share this out, this information about this case that they're trying so hard to suppress. Get the facts out and uh, put pressure on St. Luke's Hospital to drop the case. Until they do, they're just going to relentlessly pursue the Bundys until they're totally destroyed. Like, they'll probably kill Ammon. You know how they, you know, every arrest is kind of risky because they they might set up a situation to justify shooting him, like they did the Lavoie Finnicum. Hmm. So. Yeah, you know, um, sorry. I was going to okay. say, maybe we should start exposing the children's hospitals. I don't know if anybody knows about the children's hospital, but... Um, I'm very familiar with them, uh, Scottish Rite Hospital in Atlanta, actually, um, and they are owned by the Shriners, um, mm-hmm. and my first seven years of my life was actually at Scottish Rite Hospital. I've never shared that, but we could expose all what goes on in the children's hospitals. Yeah. Yeah. And the maternity wards of hospitals. Yep. There was a good victory in the Take Care of Maya case, I guess, recently. Yeah. A lot of that. So that was good timing. Was there an yeah. actual payout in that case yet, though? Yeah. There was, was a big. Okay. I know big they said it was gigantic, but, but usually when those announcements come, there's the money doesn't seem to find the right hands for a long time. So I'm just wondering if they actually okay, had cash. I don't know. Actually, if there I was a so. payout, the judgment, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that was, that well, was a... Uh, Oh, when? Well, all right. Well, let's wrap it up here. Um, Gar, thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate uh, everything you, you, you're you doing and everything you're uh, exposing right now. And apparently a bunch of people don't want you doing it because <laughs> we've yeah. been interrupted so many times. But, man, we really appreciate everything you're doing. Uh, if you guys want to go follow him, you can go follow him over there on X. Oh, gosh, my stupid screen. Sorry, guys. <laughs> this is so frustrating. It's because uh, I was doing something earlier, and, and then my, my son uses my computer. <laughs> so it's all my settings that I have preset get messed up. So I apologize. Anyway, it's not as big as I'd like it, but at least you can see. Uh, it's it, over at uh, on X, at Garth Gaylord 8. You can go follow him there. And then also, if you want to go to his YouTube channel, uh, Garth Gaylord, there on YouTube. Garth, you're not banned on YouTube yet. How is that possible? Uh they they do mess with me but i think i don't know they must have some strategic reason why they i know why because they want to collect as much evidence as they can to see like what your strategies are right i think that's why i'm on facebook too like i don't get a lot of views on either one you know Mm. and i think they do that on purpose like if i was more influential than i think then it's not worth it then they would take it down kind of like with Ammon, they take a lot of his videos, but he's actually still on YouTube. He's still got some pretty good videos on there. YouTube took some down, but then he put some more back up. <laughs> so, um. <laughs> this is the uh, website. This one was freedomman.ws. You can go check out. It looks like a lot of good stuff there. I like the uh, PSYOP stuff. Oh, yeah. A lot of so people he has would be interested stuff. in that. And 
Then there's the baby Cyrus. There's a whole section for baby Cyrus if you at the top of that menu. But yeah, he's got other political articles and stuff. Yeah, I remember this video went viral when that happened. I remember seeing yeah. that all over Facebook for, and uh, also on uh, there was TikTok videos. They were all over. Uh, it was a lot horrible, of, absolutely hor how to, horrendous. Yeah, how to handle things and how important it is to video live streams mm -hmm. happening and all that. Yeah. Yeah, in the in the kidnapping of my son, they actually took my phone and they took Christian down the hallway so that he wasn't even near me when I was surrounded by fifteen people with guns. They took my phone. Um, they never allowed us to get any body cam footage. I've never been able to get anything at all from any anyone. Um, they put a bolo out on us at the hospital. So when I tried to go to risk management at the hospital to get security camera footage, we were surrounded by police and escorted away from the hospital. So these hospitals are very involved in trafficking children and people have to wake up to that. And people have to start looking at maternity wards and standing outside of hospitals whenever a child is taken because they do have CPS social workers inside of the hospitals waiting for babies. The same year in 2016 that my son was taken, um, 129 babies were taken from the same maternity ward at the same hospital in that one year. So that's just one hospital. Imagine how many babies are taken from other hospitals and then you never hear about it because immediately we had a gag order on day one. So, I mean, we didn't really follow that, but you know, think about how many parents are in fear because they don't even know what's going on. And then they have a gag order. Nobody hears about it. It's not public. We don't have jury trials because there's no warrant and no crimes committed. So there's no criminal court. It's a it's a fake court where there's not even a jury trial. It's behind closed doors and nobody even knows about it. So it's people have to really start opening up their eyes and start looking at the hospitals because I think that is a huge problem, like a, a, basically the, the root of the problem when it comes to trafficking infants. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, run the race over here in Foxhole said, last I heard there are appeals in the Maya case and the payout may take years. Yeah, that's what I was afraid of. It's it's just it's never that. just cut a check and it's over with it's these people won't pay if they don't have to and they're going to just drag it out through the system that we all know is corrupt uh, i pray to god that doing something that after gets they reconciled get yeah. even after they get a judgment against them they're still doing that like yep yep crazy. they own the system you know i mean they they game the system so it's like we're just peasants but you there, know it's, it's all getting ready to case... change justice sorry you know, <laughs> no, it's fine, Daniel. Go ahead. There have been cases where parents have gotten a judgment to have their children re returned and CPS still doesn't return the children. The judge will literally say, give this child back and they don't get, they don't do it. Well, that's like the California case I have, Ruby. The judge ordered CPS for her to be returned and they refused and she grew up in the foster system because of it. So they literally blatantly just don't follow any laws or any it it's it's craziness yeah yeah thank you guys all right guys Good. thank you all right thank you i admire you guys faith in the lord and i do believe faith is powerful yes the lord yeah. is on our side when it comes to helping protecting children we can this is a spiritual warfare That's for right. sure if god if god is for us who can be against us 
And his justice, it is time for justice, I'm telling you. I know with every fiber of my being, I feel the spirit right now, like confirming that. Like it is justice time. He wants people to speak up. We need, and if you're a whistleblower out there and you're in the system and you would like to speak about this, you don't have to come on camera. Um, we could talk privately or we could have you on the show without video. But we need people that are in the system. I don't care if you're in the hospital. If you're a cop, if you're a cop and you know this stuff's wrong, we'd love to talk to you. We know there's good cops out there. We know there's good good people that, that want to do right. But you're in a system, and I get it. It's scary. Of course it's scary. There's a lot of evil. But uh, if we don't stand up against evil, we don't have a country. We don't have, we don't have a family. We don't have a country. We don't have anything. It's over. So let's it's time. It's time to stand up, do what's right, and um, we'd love to talk to you. Ladies, thank you so much. Thank you for all you do with Rescue the Fosters. Garth, keep fighting the good fight, my brother. And... Uh, We'll have you back to tell some more stories because I know you got a ton. I was re I was watching all those videos you sent. There's some good stuff in there we need to talk about. So we appreciate you. And thank you, Gino. Yeah, thank, oh, wow. you. thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Gino, the great one. Got Can't forget. <laughs> Brad, uh, Brad, Brad, Brad Wilson. Brad Wilson. <laughs> Save his life. Inside See, everybody joke. knows now. <laughs> now they know. I know. It's a... I gotta. I'm gonna have Brad on one time. I'm just gonna have him pop in for like I'm two right, minutes, right just right so there. you guys can see. It. Yeah, Garth probably doesn't know what we're talking about, but it's if no, you he watch does. the show he too. Does. Oh, Garth, he's he's on the show. Yes, he oh, does. Yes, he does. I heard the whole story. That's, how you miraculously uh, saved Brad Wilson's life. Miraculously. Good stuff. Yeah. If you all are wondering what we're talking about, you can go back and watch Tuesday's show and I revealed my hero story from six grade. Oh, no, um, <laughs> uh, love you guys so much over on foxhole thank you friends we appreciate you there foxhole family and rumble i mean there was a lot of people that were sticking through it so i appreciate you guys thank sticking guys. through it i will upload it there so you'll have the full show uh probably within the next day or two but uh Anyway, have a great night. Be blessed. I will see you Saturday evening with Megan Walsh, re-examined with Megan Walsh at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and then back with The Blender at 10 p.m. on Sunday night with my good friend Michael down there in Texas. So have a great night, everybody. Be blessed, and we will see you next time.